morning, this is Ian Lee. It's three minutes past six. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of October. It's my mum's birthday, if you're wondering. And I should be taking her out for lunch this afternoon. Although, to be honest, it's none of your business. Plenty on the show between now and nine, including... Unmanned spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. Would that make you feel safe? A mum who smacked her children is freed from prison. The judge says her actions were no worse than those of many loving and caring parents. Well, do you agree? Is it ever acceptable to smack your kids? And hey, listen, I don't have one, but I'd love one. What do you use your shed for? All that and more, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, you can give us uh, a, a call anytime during the show, 08459 455 555, or you can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can email us as well, you one of the computer things, isn't it? 3CR at bbc.co.uk. I should warn you, dear listener, I have taken way too much decongestant and way too much cough medicine today, so you know, it could be a little bit psychedelic, the show this morning. You never know. Now... Unmanned spy planes known as drones could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, supporting the work of police officers on the ground. That's if the chief constable in charge of the new National Air Service has his way. It all sounds very 24. They have drones in 24, don't they? Which is kind of why I'm a little bit excited by this. The BBC Three Counties reporter, Laura Gray, is in the studio to explain how all of this is going to work. Good morning, Laura. Oh, uh, there we go. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. That's better, we can hear you now. Why are drones being introduced? Okay, well, they're going to be used for monitoring to help the police. And according to Alex Marshall, who's leading the scheme, which will work alongside police in beds and hearts, one of the main draws of these drones is that they're going to cost less to run than manned aircrafts. So it's estimated that the cost of running air support will fall from around 63 million to around 48 million. What's interesting is they're actually already being used as monitoring devices by several police services and fire services in some parts of the UK. Wow, so there are drones up in the sky already flying around watching us. That's, it's a little bit creepy. What are the advantages, apart from the costs, of using drones in policing? Well, aside from the cost factor, which is very significant, um, they can also stay in the air longer than traditional aircraft, and they can do things that you can't do having people in the air. It, it feels uh, a little bit Big Brotherish, doesn't it, to have these drones watching us from above? Well, funny you should say that, because that's actually the concern of some privacy campaigners. They fear that cheap, unmanned drones will lead to an increase in surveillance of the public. But Damien Green, who's one of the Home Office Ministers, he stressed that they should only be used where appropriate and that their use should be proportionate. Someone suggested an interesting thing in the meeting uh, uh, we have here yesterday after the show, uh, and they said, well, I don't mind being filmed, because if I'm doing nothing wrong, you can have, uh, put as many cameras on me as you want, because that would make you feel safer. Laura, speaking to you personally, would you feel safer with these things flying around watching you? I can see the merit of the argument that if, you've, if you're not doing anything wrong, you've got Nothing to hide, yep. so they're all right. But um, I think there's good arguments on both sides. OK, well, listen, uh, uh, Laura, thank you very much for coming in. It's Laura Gray. Uh, later on in the show, we'll have aviation and listen, security edi- editor Chris Yates will be on the programme after seven, explaining how drones work. I kind of think that ma- it, it makes me feel a bit safer. I agree with what was said yesterday. That uh, I'm not doing anything wrong. Film me as much as you want, to be honest. It means the chances of me getting my head kicked in in the streets are perhaps a little bit less. Maybe you disagree. 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Good morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Come on, come on. 
Plenty on the show that I know you're going to want to talk about. I'll give out the phone numbers and the contact details in a little bit. One of the things we're discussing this morning, smacking kids. If you smack your kids, can you, can you honestly say that you love them? Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. The reason we're talking about this is a story in some of the papers uh, today. Mother who was jailed for slapping children is freed after judge says her actions were, quote, similar to those of many loving parents across the land. So this woman smacked her kids, went to prison for it, got an 18-month sentence, and then was uh, released on appeal. Now, some of the things she did included banging the heads together of two of the boys after she broke up a fight and slapping the 15-year-old and causing him physical injury, a bruised ear. So, there, there are two things. Was that too excessive there, do you think, what she did? And is it ever acceptable to smack your children? They're smaller than you, they're younger than you, they're tinier than you. So is it okay to smack them? Surely, if you smack a kid like a little person you've lost the argument haven't you, you if you if you're trying to control them and raise them through fear and intimidation then that's not a decent way to bring up kids is it or am i wrong on this oh eight four five nine four double five five double five oh look the newspapers have just arrived we'll have a little look at those in a second oh eight four five nine four double five five double five do you smack your kids you're still allowed to there are people that think you're not allowed to smack your kids you are allowed to smack your kids as long as hey get this as long as you don't leave a physical mark all right okay that makes it okay that's the law you can hit them uh, as long as you don't use excessive force and don't leave a physical mark i think that's correct is it ever acceptable to smack your children i'll tell you something now i've got two boys One's two and a half, one's a baby. I would never smack them. I would never smack them. And I think that if you do smack your children, you are a bad parent. I've said it. If you smack your kids, you're a bad parent and they should be taken off you. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can text as well. 81333. Starting your text, 3CR. I can't believe that any of you do smack your kids. You're all far too sensible to do that, aren't you? You wouldn't do that, you lot. 08459 455 555. Let's have a quick look at the newspapers. Look, this is the first I've seen it. Uh, the Daily Telegraph. Schools threaten university boycott. Heads told to protest over systematic, systematic bias against privately educated pupils. Uh, and there's uh, a terribly sad story. Suicide father who stabbed children with Sefton's riders. Um, very sad story. The Guardian. Um, end of elitism. Miliband vows to prepare teenagers for work. Labour leader will concentrate on forgotten 50% who don't go to work. Um, and Taliban kill policy has hit morale, NATO chief. And more on uh, that Jimmy Savile story. Was he a paedophile? A lot of uh, the, the papers are asking. We'll talk more about that later in the week. We mentioned it yesterday, and we'll talk more about it later in the week. I'll, I'll give you more information later. The Times. Miliband in one billion pound pledge to focus on apprentices. Key role for business in Labour schools plan. Uh, another uh, picture of uh, the uh, Michael Pedersen, Peterson, who uh, survived the IRA's Hyde Park bombing in 1983, um, is believed to have stabbed his two young children and then killed himself. That's a very sad story, isn't it? The Independent double pole blow casts shadow over Miliband's big day. Only one in five thinks leader has what it takes to be PM. Uh, Labour trusted even less than Tories to run the economy. I don't think th- I don't th- think Ed Miliband could be Prime Minister because he hasn't got any personality. There seems to be 
very little personality in politics at the moment, particularly the Labour Party, but pretty much all of them are a bit, a bit bland. Daily Mail. We were victims of Jimmy Savile. Uh, the Daily Express. Diabetes crisis to hit 4.4 million Britons. Daily Mirror. Uh, IRA bomb hero kills his two kids uh, and the son. Jimmy Savile molested me when I was 14. Mum breaks 38-year silence. That story's just going to grow and grow, isn't it? Right, let's get the latest travel news now. Let's go to Sophie Tyler. Beds, hearts and bucks travel. BBC Three Counties Radio. Or maybe we don't go to Sophie Tyler. Maybe she's stuck in the travel. Let's see what's happening there. I can see the uh, team frantically. We've lost Sophie Tyler. Who knows where she is? If you've seen Sophie Tyler, I believe she's a short young lady with red hair, then do get in touch. 08459 455 555. Well, as that mystery deepens, we'll move on. It's Tuesday the 2nd of October. It's 6.15. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A major search is taking place in Mid Wales for a five-year-old girl who the police believe was abducted yesterday evening. Unmanned spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, supporting the work of police officers on the ground. In sport, defending champions England have been knocked off the World 2020, out of the World 2020, after being overpowered by host Sri Lanka in their final Super 8s match. We'll have weather in a few minutes. Uh, and coming up, men, and I'm guessing this is men, and if I'm appearing sexist, I apologise. But men, do you have a shed? And what do you do in there? I don't have one. I... I do, but it's it's useless. And I'm very jealous of those people who do have one. 08459 455 555. What do you do in your shed? And find out why we're talking about it in the next 15 minutes. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan is away this week and he's um, um, being replaced by the excellent Bill Buckley, who is, is well worth a listen. Don't forget, on October the 5th, this Friday... It's Beatles Day here at BBC Three Counties Radio, and I'm genuinely very excited about this. I love them Beatles. Uh, if you've got a Beatles story, for this show, we're looking for your tenuous Beatles links. And I want it to be really tenuous. We had someone say, oh yeah, well my uh, dad played in a band that supported the Beatles. That's too good. That's too good for this show. On Friday, I want your tenuous Beatles links and it can be as as vague and as tenuous as you want could you email them to me don't phone up with them this morning email them to 3cr at bbc.co.uk and if you mark your email ian lee beatles day so your tenuous beatles link send them in 3cr at bbc.co.uk mark your email uh, ian lee uh, beatles day now my two favorite beatles songs in the world the first one is martha my dear from the white album about paul mccartney's dog the second one is this isn't that just fantastic what a great way to start with that wonderful song from revolver oh eight four five nine four double five five double five fingers crossed we'll have the weather with chris bell <laughs> We've, we're talking about the spy planes earlier on. There are going to be unmanned drones, possibly, flying over beds, hearts and bucks at some point. Uh, and uh, th- an anonymous milkman has texted in. This is disgusting. 81333, starting your text three hours. Disgusting. Morning, in. As well as being a milky, I would not like a spy cam on me as I've just had a pee by the side of my van. That is disgusting. There are milkmen peeing by their vans. Oh, dear God. He's banned from listening. Whoever that is, you're banned from listening. I don't want those kind of people. I thought we had a classy clientele listening to this in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. Not Mucky Milkman. Anyway, 
If you walk down to the end of your garden and have a look in your shed, what's in there and what do you use it for? I've got a shed. It's awful. It's tiny. Uh, the window has fallen out. It's falling apart. And we've got the lawnmower. We've got some wood. And we've got, like, a, the, the, um, a wigwam for my little boy. Do they still call them wigwams these days? I don't know. That's all that's in there. We looked at getting a big shed built. Like we, we looked at getting a little log cabin with electricity and stuff, and then we saw the price, and we went, ah, we don't need it so much. Well, the reason I'm banging on about sheds so much is because there is a project in Milton Keynes which is extending its opening hours to bring elderly people together in a shed. Frank from Old Wolverton has been going to Men in Sheds since it opened in March. He says it's nice to have the chance to socialise. We moved here after I retired, um, which I did 18 months ago. And um, the thing after when you, when you retire is, and especially if it's a new area and you don't know anybody apart from family, then um, we needed somewhere to go. I, felt I needed somewhere eventually after sorting the garden out and the house to do things. And then we saw an advert about men in sheds. And initially there was loads of guys there in the same similar situation as me looking for things to do. And I think it's a great idea. main thing about it is you, you get a load of guys, you don't have to do anything you can come along and have a coffee and have a chat or help somebody else a lot of people here are coming just to um because again they've retired or they you know they want to learn other skills the big advantage of coming here rather than the shed at home is uh, that the the company you know is rather solitary working on your own in in your loft or in your shed whereas if you come here you've got other guys you know you can talk to have a coffee with and it's not the sort of thing generally that blokes do you know blokes aren't like women they don't go for coffee mornings and that sort of thing but here you can do that uh, and you can partake or you, you, you do what you want to do you don't have to do it you don't have to be involved if you don't want to be you can just come along for the company how cool is that huh that sounds fantastic justin Dealey, our reporter is going to be out later on at that giant shed uh, to find out exactly what goes on in there i would love a decent shed and we, we hopefully fingers crossed touch wood we're going to be moving house very soon and there is a nice spot for a decent sized shed and it wouldn't be too difficult to run up a little bit of electricity into it if you've got a shed gentlemen what do you do in it what do you use it for? Do you do it? Someone uh, said to me earlier on that, that their grandparents have survived so long as a couple because the, the granddad used to go into the shed. And that's it, one of the longest marriages that they've known. Is that really the recipe for a good marriage? And I'm saying, gentlemen, if there are any ladies out there uh, who use the shed, could you give me a call? You'll, you'll jump straight to the front of the queue, ladies. 08459 455 555. Because I can't believe there are any ladies listening to this who, who use the shed as a getaway, as a little private space. 08459 455 555. Now, a mother who was jailed for slapping children, her children. <laughs> she slapped her children. She's not just random ones in the street. She's been released after a judge says that she was just doing what most loving parents would normally do. 08459 455 555. I put forward the theory that if you smack your kids, you're not a good parent. Bill in Berkhamsted. Good morning, Bill. Hello, I'm not in Berkhamsted. I'm actually in Newport Pagnell. Well, the, the bill in Newport Pagnell, I apologise, we will have the details right, cleaned yeah. and burned. Now, what, what, what's your take on this? Well, I smacked my children when I were younger, yeah? And we've got, I've got four grown-up children of 40, yeah? Got 12 grandchildren, one great-grandchild, and we're the closest family you've ever seen. And they've smacked their children, and they don't do drugs, they all go to work. And they've all grown up like, well, I'm proud of every one of them. And so, so. You, so you should be, Bill. Do you, did you ever smack the grandchildren? Never. No, no, no that, that's not my place. That right. was not my place. I mean, I'm very old-fashioned on stuff like that. 
that's that's for the parents to decide what they want to do. And if they bring them up and they don't, they, they think they're smacking not, not the right thing. Then that's the way they bring their children up. What did you smack them for? Um, sometimes when I was doing dangerous things, like it might like, go to run in the road. Yeah, uh, that was a sort of a reminder. Uh, or when they were sort of scrambling about, like they do, you know, which is not acceptable. What scr- so. was, scr- was scrambling about? Strampling, well, I call it strampling, you know, where they start... Strampling? Fits, they throw fits, don't they, children? They start wanting their own way all the time, and they can't... And, and the world doesn't work like that, really. Yeah, but, but but if they're strampling, or having a strop, or having a little fit, or whatever... Yeah. Is smacking them really the best way to stop that? Surely that it exacerbates the situation. It, it worked for mine, and it was instantaneous, and... Uh, that was on very rare occasions that that had to happen, and they they remembered the smack. I bet they did. Whereas when I was when I was a, a, a child, yeah, we used to get caned and things at school. Never really bothered me too much. But what you, I used you to Bill, Bill, work, you'd, you'd accept, wouldn't you, that, that hitting a child with a cane is a bad thing, wouldn't you? Well, I think I deserved it when I was a kid. To be true, no child deserves to be hit by a stick. Why not? Because it's that, a. It's no, that, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Oh, I think that we've become such a little puffy little state. Okay, just be careful with with the, you're throwing around your, your insults there. But go on, yes. Uh, no, this is not not insults. I'm just using well, that words. Wo- that that no, word is a little bit inappropriate, Bill. We used Bill. to be able to use words, right, which have been taken out in the English language But now, we, but, right? but listen, we're going off a tangent. They don't always mean, they don't always mean, yeah. like, what I mean to say, we're a little bit, well, I think we're a little bit too soft in this country okay, now. Okay, that's better. We're, all right, that's fair enough. I mean, okay, if we're going to be PC. No, we're not going to well, be PC, Bill, but we're just no, not going to no, use no, words no, that some no, people no, might no, find no, offensive. It's not political correctness, it's common it. sense. I'm not going to argue with you, right? Right, because I come from a different world, perhaps, to what we've got now, right? Where we were a lot stronger. We were a lot, not ruthless, we were a lot stronger, and we were a lot more self-sufficient. You're going to end up with, what's it, you take a child out of school that's never been smacked, right? Yeah. Never been, never been, had any details, then put him in the army, and all of a sudden he finds bullets flying at him. Well, hang on a minute, Bill, what's he going to go yeah, in the army bit. for? Why would he go in the, listen, Bill, we've got to move on. I have to say, listen, it's not PC, there's some words that aren't acceptable, and I'm, I'm not happy with that word being used, so apologies if anyone was offended, first of all. Uh, and secondly, I couldn't disagree with that more. What do you think? Do you agree with Bill? Well, first of all, we don't want to go back to hitting children. We don't want grown-up adults hitting children with sticks, do we? But then if you take it home, adults hitting kids because they're having a strop. My boy has a strop. He goes bonkers. He's two and a half. That's what they do. They have tantrums. And what we do is we either talk to him quietly, or we walk out and ignore him, or we take him somewhere private so that he can, you know... Deary me. Well, OK, right. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you smack your kids, you're just doing what loving parents around the country should be doing. That's according to a judge who freed a woman who'd been sent to jail. Hey, listen, I completely disagree with that. I think if you smack your kids, you're a bad parent. Big people hitting hitting little people. You've lost the argument immediately. 08459 455 555. We'll find out what happened on uh, Roberto's show last night with the uh, first police and crime commissioner debate. We'll also be talking about sheds. 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call. That'd be better, wouldn't it? 08459 455 555. Ah, dear. 08459 455 555. Now, if you missed Roberto Peroni last night, he does the drive time show. He's excellent. He leaves the computers on when he should turn them off. Apart from that, he's blooming good. But what were you thinking last night? I did miss it, but I've got a note from my mum, so that's that's all right. I was, I was busy trying to get my little boy to go to sleep without smacking him. Well, uh, it, it was quite exciting at six o'clock last night because our first police and crime commissioner debate took place covering the 
Bedfordshire area. With 20% cuts across the force in the next three years, the candidates wanted to show what they do to combat this. Political reporter Paul Scoynes was listening. You've been up all night writing your report. Yep, haven't stopped. And it's appreciated. What happened last night? Well, uh, they all set out their stall for why they're going to spend... Uh, £5,000 running for this election. That's how much it costs per person, isn't it? Just underline that. It's a huge amount of money, and the idea is that it probably discourages, you know, people who aren't that serious. Um... We had five candidates last night, one from Labour, the Conservatives, uh, the Liberal Democrats, with someone from the British Freedom Party, and we had an Independent. And um, clearly they're kind of in a sort of unusual situation because they're pretty much doing it on themselves. Mm. So they, they, they were talking about that. Anyway, um, let's hear, we got them all to set out their stall first of all, and this is uh, Jazz Palmer, who's the Conservative candidate. Well, what I want to bring to this uh, uh, role of a police commissioner is my experience as a former police officer. I'm local. I have lived in uh, rural Bedfordshire for the last 25 years. I have worked in Bedford for 25 years. I've been a borough councillor. I'm visible and accessible. I run a public-facing business. And uh, that is the experience which I want to bring to this role. So, here was, that was just Palmer. So, let's, let's hear from Sandra Glenn now. She was the only independent candidate running, and she said that uh, her role would be about dealing with the way the public saw the police. My mandate is about confidence, concerns and complaints. And to, to raise the confidence of the, of the people of Bedfordshire, because there are lots of, of, lots of fear of the police at the moment. They're not sure whether the police are doing the job that they're meant to be doing. I realise that I need to be more in touch, and we need to be more in touch with everybody's fears. And this is Kevin Carroll, who's from the British Freedom Party. You might know him better as the co-founder of the English Defence League, but he said it was actually about taking the politics out of policing. What I would deliver is getting the police back to being the police, getting them away from politics. That, I mean, I'm just a humble carpenter, and I'm like every other mum and dad out there, and I have exactly the same fears and concerns as they do. They're just worried about their children's futures, and they just want a safe and prosperous future for their children and grandchildren. And that's all I want. And I want a level, equal playing field across the board. Paul, can I say what's amazing about hearing those three clips Mm. is uh, that none of them have, it would appear, have any policing background well jazz palmer actually was a former police right officer okay actually. that's interesting he didn't make it point in that clear in that clip but he, he he used to work for the met so he's the one who's actually got the only sort of previous um, police experience but uh the others do say that they've worked with police groups ollie martins from labor have worked with uh, victim support for okay. a long time Sandra glenn was on the sort of independent advisory group for all beds police so they sort of oversee that but yeah you're right i mean the the whether or not there is uh, experience or whether or not the candidate has experience with the police was something they discussed later in the programme and the consensus from the non-police people was that it didn't matter and uh, from Jazz Palmer there was that it did matter. Isn't that interesting? And he was the only one. Uh, th- th- they, th- were they all local? Are they all local people? Mostly, yes. It, that was actually something that came up quite a few times. It was quite heated in some points as well mm. because uh, Ollie Martins, the Labour candidate, has lived in Bedfordshire for around eight years now but he wasn't born here. Does that matter? I'm not sure. Um, lots Eight of years, can- I, I think, is long enough to have been in an area. Long time, yeah. I mean, they, they, lots of them made a point about it, um, one more than others. Uh, but but he felt, really, that the public that he was speaking to were more concerned about the reductions. So this is Ollie Martin talking about the reductions Martins. in services. Yeah, okay. right. What I'm finding is that while there isn't much awareness of um, the election itself, there is a lot of awareness of police cuts and the fact that we are losing 185 police officers uh, since 20. Uh, the fact that we're losing practically half of the PCSOs in the county. People are very concerned about that. 
And Linda Jack of the Liberal Democrats, she felt that people were forgetting the victims of crime when talking about getting tough. I think people must seem to be forgetting this, that it's police and crime commissioner, and that's about cutting crime and that you can do that through detecting prosecuting and preventing it and i'm very interested in how we prevent it but in the middle of all this we have to make sure that witnesses and victims are properly heard 20 percent cuts across the force in the next three years what are they going to do about that well ollie martins of labor says there's not much you can do as a commissioner and when you consider that over 80 percent of the police budget uh, relates to the cost of employing uh, police officers and police staff and paying their pension contributions um, you quickly see that when you're facing when a police authority and uh, police commissioners are facing 20 percent cuts there is very little room for manoeuvre except from reducing the police strength. Now, Sandra Glenn, the independent, wants people to pay an extra £8 a year uh, to fund their force. That's a 6% rise on your council tax. So I've asked for an increase on, for three years of, six, of, of 6% per year, and that means that's an average of £8 a year per household. If you've got a bandy house, the portion of the um, council tax that goes to the police is £150 on a bandy. £8 is not a lot to ask for. <laughs> don't know how well that would go down with most voters whether or not they would eight pounds is not a lot to ask for but everyone's scrabbling around for pennies at the moment and mm. if someone asks for eight pounds here then there's a few pounds there but interesting well she said that it was the only way to deal with the cuts linda jack however the lib dem wants to write a letter to the home secretary all right i think there's a huge issue about the cuts i know that um the uh, the chief constable is very worried about future cuts and i think that and i would urge all of us as, as candidates that we maybe even did a joint letter um to uh, the home office to the police minister to say that this is not on. Wow, a letter. A letter, yeah. The old letter. Kevin Carroll, however, from the British Freedom Party, would like to see volunteers take over the work that police officers do in the back office. I'd be looking to make savings, not on the police frontline services. Somehow we're going to need to try to make it on the backroom services, whether we have to bring in volunteers to do the paperwork so police officers are not bogged down with um, bureaucratical paperwork. They probably spend half of their shift in the back rooms doing paperwork, which is, which is a complete waste of time. Now, Ian, whenever we talk about the police, we always hear about Bobby's on the beat. Bobby's on the beat. We want more Bobby's on the beat. That's what everyone says. Yes. Now, we said that Jazz Palmer was the only one of these candidates with former police experience. Yeah. He says that Bobby's on the beat is an old style of policing, and people don't need to see that. My experience is, and having spoken to police officers and also to the chief constable as well, what people want is not Bobby's on the beat, not walking, because your average criminal nowadays is not walking. He's driving around in a Subaru. No, they don't. The people want to be safe. And if they are safe, they'll feel safe as well. Uh, And it's not the be-all or the end-all. If they they didn't see a policeman for five years, they don't get burgled. That's what I want people people to, to, to feel. They're all driving Subarus. Yeah, I'd like to say categorically the BBC does not say that all Subaru drivers <laughs> are criminal. I just want to make that clear. Oh, we don't we don't need Bobby's on the beat. We've got drones now. It, it's listen, we're running out of time. It sounds all very worthy. It, and it was getting a little bit tense there. Any any tension? Was there a punch up? There was a punch up of sorts. Um, mm. Linda Jack and Kevin Carroll, they've been arguing before they'd gone on air. Wow. Um, they got a bit heated about uh, Kevin's history. He's an EDL activist, as we've said. And uh, when they were discussing the issues that most people were worried about. Kevin had said terrorism. Linda had said antisocial behaviour. This is what happened. You can all have your say. Linda and Kevin. Linda, no, you will both be able to have your say, but I would ask you to be to remain calm. Kevin, I would ask you, Linda and Kevin. I've had three assassination attempts on my Kevin and Linda, I will ask you to remain 
and calm, and we will have the debate. Excellent to hear Roberto controlling that situation. It was really tough. <laughs> that, that sounds, it sounds very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> it was very tough. And, but, I mean, that was the only moment when they did go a bit, uh, did, did get at each other's necks. But I, I do wonder if, you know, with six weeks to go, yeah. that probably isn't the last you've heard it's of those two. Yeah. Paul, listen, thank you very much for keeping us up to date. Uh, there's more of that on Roberto's show next Monday. Uh, a reminder, you can see all the candidates online at bbc.co.uk forward slash three counties. And no doubt we'll be talking about it more on this show. Good morning, it's 6.46. It's Tuesday, the 2nd of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hundreds of people in a small town in Mid Wales are searching for a five-year-old girl who police believe was abducted last night. Remote-controlled spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire as part of the new National Police Air Service. In sport, England's cricketers are out of the ICC World 2020 after losing to host Sri Lanka by 19 runs. And your weather across beds, hearts and bucks. It's dry with patchy cloud and top temperature of 17 degrees. Coming up, we'll talk more about those remote control spy planes that could soon be hovering above your heads. And men in sheds, what do you do in yours? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, we'll be talking about this all morning, and I'm keen to get your thoughts on smacking children. A mother jailed after children told social workers she smacked them was freed from prison last night. A judge said her actions were no worse than those of, quote, many loving and caring parents throughout the land, unquote. He criticised the junior judge who jailed her for 18 months and ordered that she should be released immediately. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been in Milton Keynes finding out whether you think it's acceptable to smack children. Sometimes it depends. If the child's not old enough to understand, then no, because the child's not going to understand why it's being smacked and it's just going to get upset. If the child's old enough and understands the reason they've done it wrong, then obviously you can emphasise it as long as you don't smack them too hard. What do you say to anybody, though, who says that it's cruel, it's outrageous to smack a child, that that is just wrong, what you're saying? I'd say, why are they living in a nanny state still? realistically it doesn't matter or our generation got a smack when they were younger are we bad people no did it affect us mentally no linda you're a mother of two you have smacked your children when you smack them how did that make you feel at the time i was angry but it wasn't like you know a real hard smack it was more like just a correctional but even still i don't think it really you get anything from it really nor do they because at the end of the day they might think that's acceptable and then they carry on and do it themselves so did you feel like you were a bad parent when you did that probably not really at the time because i thought i was putting them on the right track but yeah now i do yeah so smacking doesn't work from what you're saying it's it's all in the tone of the voice you don't need to smack to get your point across correct there's other ways to make them see right from wrong without physical smacking them yeah clive you have two children uh, the key question this morning is it ever acceptable to smack a child um i don't think so no it's um it is a very contentious sort of subject but no i don't think so very personal question mm. have you ever done it yourself i have yes on a couple of occasions and is that just because in the heat of the moment you lost it and th- this judge is saying that you can still be a loving parent even if you smack your mm. child so you probably get along with his comments wouldn't you yeah i would yeah yeah it was in the heat of the moment and yeah 
It does happen. Thank you for that, Justin. Well, we've had the phrases already. Political correctness and nanny state. Let's leave them to one side and let's try and have a sensible debate now. Because if you notice, the two people who said they'd hit their children in that uh, report said they did it when they were angry. So they weren't thinking straight. You can't hit a kid out of anger. Listen, I've been really angry with my little boy. He can be really naughty. He's two and a half. And I've been really angry with him. And I could see how people would and could hit while they're angry. But that's surely the worst time to do it, because it's not coming from a point of reason. It's not coming from a point of thought. It's coming from from being angry. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Is it ever acceptable to hit your kids? I don't think so. Now, this Friday, as we mentioned, is Beatles Day across the BBC, and on the day itself, we're wanting to hear your Fab Four memories. On this show, we want your tenuous Beatles links. We've got some great stuff lined up. Tenuous Beatles links. Email them to 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Put the subject, Ian Lee, Beatles Day. Well, BBC Introducing has also got involved with this, and uh, uh, they've been asking all of the unsigned bands from across the three counties to record their interpretation of a Beatles song. Today we're going to play I'll Cry Instead, released by the Beatles in 1964, and this is a cover version by the Ringo Flanagan trio from Biggleswade. Gotta love them Beatles. Um, now, listen, I'm so excited about this, genuinely, and I'm very, very envious. Sheds. No, I, no, listen, I know it doesn't sound very rock and roll and very cool, but I, I, I think they are. I think they are. Justin Dealey was telling me earlier on that him and his mate, when they were like kids, like teenagers, his mate had a shed at the back garden, they'd go and play computer games, had a fridge in there, watch telly. How cool is that? Well, what's in your shed, dear listener? What do you use your shed for? There's a fantastic project in Milton Keynes, which is extending its opening hours to bring elderly people together in a shed. I know. Paul Griffiths Griffiths is the Community Development Officer for Age UK in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Ian. I love this. Tell me exactly what is Men in Sheds. Well, Men in Sheds is a movement that started in Australia originally, and it was for older men who had retired and lost that sort of social contact that they have through work and were feeling isolated at home. And so they started the movement really as a sort of a social activity, but then quickly realised that the men, when they got together, wanted to get involved in different hobbies, they wanted to get involved in community events, and also it, uh, it, it supported health and well-being because men, one of the things that men are pretty bad at doing is talking about uh, any illnesses they might have in a formal healthcare setting, going to see the doctor, and they found that men uh, in a more informal setting, just talking amongst themselves, were prepared to talk about these things. Paul, is it literally a giant shed? Well, what we've got, we're, we're very lucky. HUK Milton Keynes has got an industrial unit at Kiln Farm, um, and there was a project in there for some years that unfortunately isn't being funded anymore. So we've been able to hand this over to to the older men of Milton Keynes. And what do they do when they're in there? Well, at the moment, um, they're, they're, they're doing things like uh, uh, woodwork, metalwork. Uh, we've got a couple of groups of model makers, one with railways and one with model aeroplanes. Oh, fantastic. Um, some of the older men have, have expressed an interest in learning how to cook because clearly it, it, perhaps a generation ago uh, where you had very defined roles within a partnership, um, they weren't the ones that did the cooking. Their partners did the cooking, but now either their partner has has died or, or, or has become unwell, and so they're now having to, to do the cooking, and perhaps that's a skill they didn't have. Well, that kind of leads us on to the, the more serious side of this. I mean, this is, I guess, set up in a way to combat loneliness in older men, isn't it? 
It is. Uh, there have been a number of studies recently. In fact, there was one published just last week by AGK Nationally and YouthNet that uh, said that uh, they thought that up to 34% of older people in, our, in society now um, could be lonely. Um, and there was another study that was done by the Social Care Institute back in May, so again, quite a recent study, that showed that this could be up to 25% of people, and, 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 and that loneliness and social isolation can impact on health and well-being, can mm. lead to high blood pressure, can lead to depression, and, and that can you know, be life-limiting and also, of course, add to the costs of the healthcare service. But some old men, very stuck in their ways, Paul, as I'm sure you know, and why would I want to go do this? How do you persuade someone who perhaps is a little bit lonely and is stuck at home or in their shed at home on their own, how do you persuade them that this might be a good idea for them to come along? Well, I think, you know, the, the, the publicity you're giving us today and hopefully we'll get in the local papers as a result of yesterday. Uh, we're very lucky. AGK Milton Keynes got a network of home visitors and we visit quite a lot of people in the, in the borough. And obviously there are also older men that might be living in uh, res- residential accommodation and hopefully be persuaded by friends and neighbours to, to come along and try us out. How many people go along at the moment? Well, at the moment, we're, we're, we're down to a sort of a hardcore of about 20, and okay. that's because we were only able to open on a Wednesday, uh, and there was nothing really there. It was a blank sheet of paper. Now we've got a workshop up and running. We're able to open three days a week and hopefully soon open five days a week, so I think we're going to get more men coming along. And this project is, the three counties is leading the way with this in this country. Are, are other areas starting to, to look and take interest? We are. We're leading the way um, in this region. I mean, there are, there are about 20 sheds across the country. The first that came into the UK was in Cheshire in 2008, but already news of the Milton Keynes shed is spreading across the region, and we're working with colleagues in Bedford and Aylesbury to set up sheds there. And clearly, you know, there, there may be men living in other towns in the, uh, in the region that feel that, you know, this is something that they'd like to see in their area, and we'd be very happy to help. Paul, would you ever let a lady into your shed? Controversial. Controversial. Uh, We'll probably have ladies' nights, and we are looking... One of the other things that came out was, again, looking at this sort of partnership role, is that women, a number of older women, have approached us and said, hey, hang on, we could do with some learning some DIY skills. Fantastic. So we are looking at setting up a DIY programme for older women. Paul, I think it's a fantastic project. We'll have more on this later on in the show. Best of luck with it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That's Paul Griffiths, uh, Community Development Officer for Age UK and Milton Keynes. A couple of things I want to ask you. Have you got a shed? What do you do in it? That's the simple one, 08459 455 555. And are there any ladies out there listening to this who use the shed? If you're a lady that uses your shed, you can call up. We'll be completely sexist today. You can jump the queue. I don't mind. Ah, that's an hour over already. How did that happen? Plenty more coming up. Smacking children. If you do it, I've got to be honest, I think you're a bad parent. 08459 455 555. More on sheds. But before that, the latest news and sport with Catherine Boyle. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just had five years taken off of my life. I nipped out to the loo during the news, uh, and as I came in, someone came up behind me. The production team from the JVS show came up behind me and scared the life out of me. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I can calm down. I hate that. I hate it. Boo! I'm such a nervous person. Always on tenterhooks. Anyway, don't forget the Bill, uh, Bill Buckley. He's filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith this week. Always worth a listen uh, to Bill. Lovely gentleman. Anyway, back to this show. 
Lots coming up in the next two hours, including unmanned spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. How does that make you feel? A mum who smacked her kids is freed from prison. The judge says her actions were no worse than those of many loving and caring parents. Do you agree? Is it ever acceptable to hit your kids? And man, I don't have a shed, but boy, I'd love one. What do you use your shed for? You can get in touch, 3cr at bbc.co.uk. You can text 81333, starting your text 3CR, or... You can give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. And I'll be honest, I do feel quite strongly about this. I I think if you smack your kids, you're a bad parent. You don't need to do it. There are times when I've been angry enough with my little boy that smacking him has, has appeared as a thought in my head, but that's got to be the worst time to do it when you're angry. And all these people say, oh yeah, well, my little, little girl was going to run into the road, so I smacked her. Sorry? What? Why didn't you grab her, stop her from going into the road, and explain to her why it was such a bad idea? Oh, she's too young to reason. They can reason. My, my boy's two and a half. He can reason. He can... Comp- we had a, a, a fantastic conversation with him last night. He'd been very naughty. Uh, and then we calmed down. I got into bed with him. And he said, I was naughty, wasn't I, Daddy? I said, yes. Do you know what you did? He explained what he did. He knew exactly why it was wrong. You can't smack kids! Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you smack kids, you're a bad parent. Eight one three double three. Starting your text three C R. Now this is exciting. Unmanned spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, supporting the work of police officers on the ground. Chief Constable Alex Marshall, who's leading the new National Police Air Service, has said drones that could stay in the air longer and would be cheaper than running manned aircraft. He thinks they should be considered as a possibility. Well, Chris Yates is an aviation analyst and security editor. We can speak to him now. Good morning, Chris. Hello, good morning. Now, I've heard about these drones. I've seen them on 24. How exactly do they work? Uh, You know, we're talking about unmanned aerial vehicles. That's the official term for these things. Um, More often associated with the military. Uh, You know, over recent years, when we've been watching television pictures of military activity out in Afghanistan and places like that, we've seen uh, these aircraft being used. But they're used in relatively uncontrolled airspace. Uh, You know, here in the United Kingdom, we're a small country. And the thought of uh, having unmanned aerial vehicles uh, in the air with all of that commercial air traffic, there are some concerns there. How does it work? Is it someone, is it like a remote controlled aeroplane and someone is sat somewhere in a control tower with a little black box that's got a left and a right trigger? Is, is it as simple as that or, or more complicated? It's uh, somewhat more complicated, Good. but yes, the principle is the same. Uh, you know, we've, we've had model aeroplane uh, people flying their craft uh, for very many years, but uh, essentially what a UAV is is a much larger, more complex uh, version of... Um, uh, something like, uh, you know, one of these planes that model plane people will fly. And how big are they, Chris? Well, they can be any size, quite frankly. Uh, you know, some of the American uh, made uh, military units uh, have phenomenal wingspan uh, and uh, can literally fly much of the world. Uh, oh. But, uh, you know, in this sort of context, uh, for using to support police operations, 
We're talking about a, a an unmanned aerial vehicle, which is much smaller, um, and essentially is a surveillance gathering mm. uh, vehicle that's able to look down, identify targets, uh, that sort of thing, and to guide, uh, of course, the police vehicles on the ground into wherever they're needed. That uh, in and of itself apply, uh, implies that you not only have to control the aircraft, but you have some means of getting the data that it's collecting, whether it's images, infrared, or such like, uh, back to a control point uh, such that that information can be used uh, to do what I said, which is guide in the the, the ground assets. They're not, obviously, planes aren't as uh, manoeuvrable as helicopters, so could there be some danger in that? Well, you'd be surprised, actually. UAVs uh, have a, a significantly uh, high manoeuvrability factor uh, in so much as some of the very smaller uh, devices uh, can literally turn on a sixpence um, and uh, uh, shoot off in all sorts of different directions. And, you know, you might think uh, that we're talking about something with a significant wingspan, but some of the newer, more modern um, uh, uh, UAVs uh, have some very strange aerodynamic shapes. And finally, Chris, the British weather, would that cause a problem at all? Well, weather obviously has uh, an impact on anything that you do uh, when you're flying, whether it be in a commercial jet, whether it be in a private plane, or whether you're flying one of these uh, unmanned aerial vehicles. Uh, so, yes, there will always be times when the cloud base uh, is such that, uh, you know, perhaps it's not wise to operate these types of aircraft. Chris, thank you very much. I find that absolutely fascinating. Chris Yates, uh, aviation analyst and security editor, talking about unmanned drones, planes that could be flying above the air. Do you feel safe? Would that make you feel safer? I haven't got a problem with being filmed at all. I think it was Justin yesterday who said something in the meeting that he, he doesn't do anything wrong. He wants as many cameras as possible. Makes him feel safer. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call about this or any of the topics that we're talking about, including... This is one that I know is going to get you... Um, excited shall we say a mother jailed after her children told social workers she smacked them was freed from prison last night a judge said her actions were no worse than those of quote many loving and caring parents throughout the land unquote he criticized the junior judge who jailed her for 18 months and ordered that she should be released immediately well earlier on i spoke to bill in newport pagnell he admitted that he has hit his children in the past well i smacked my children when i was younger yeah and we've got i've got four grown-up children of 40, got 12 grandchildren, one great-grandchild, and we're the closest family you've ever seen. They've smacked their children, and they don't do drugs. They all go to work, and they've all grown up like, well, I'm proud of every one of them. And so, so, you, so you should be, Bill. Do you, did you ever smack the grandchildren? Never. No, no, no that, that's not my place. That right. was not my place. I mean, I'm very old-fashioned on stuff like that. That's that's for the parents to decide what they want to do, and if they bring them up and they don't, they they think they're smacking not, not sort of the right thing. Then that's the way they bring their children up. What did you smack them for? Um, sometimes when I was doing dangerous things, like they might like, go to run in the road. Yeah, uh, that was a sort of a reminder. Bill also introduced me to the word stramping. I think he said, which means like um, just having a bit of a hissy fit. Uh, Andy has texted in eight one three double three, starting his text three CR. Ian, can you tell me how you apply discipline to your children? Yeah, I can do in a minute. 
give you some tips. A smack is not done in anger. It is used as a punishment. Ah, well, interestingly, Andy, I, I don't look, I think, uh, maybe you don't smack them in anger, but we had two people on uh, Justin's report earlier who said that both times they'd smack their kids, it was done out of anger. And I think it's, it, a lot of people do. They have no other, uh, I, I think, Andy, a lot of people, a lot of parents are not intelligent enough to uh, have a measured reaction to when a child uh, is misbehaving. They get angry and they, they lash out physically. Anyway, back to Andy's text. A smack is not done in anger, it's used as a punishment. So a child learns right from wrong, which clearly so many don't these days. Yeah, because it's right to hit people and it's wrong to talk to them and discuss things, isn't it, Andy? I'll tell you exactly how I discipline my children. Uh, I tell them off. I tell them off sternly if they're being very naughty. Uh, I remove treats. I remove rewards. I take away things. I explain to them why their behaviour is inappropriate uh, and why it is unnecessary. And for the most part, that works. Now, it doesn't always work, Andy, because my boy is two and a half. And at two and a half, you are getting a massive shot of, of hormones into your body. It's completely uncontrollable what's going on in your body. Pretty much incontrollable what's going on in your body with all these hormones racing through it. So a smack is not going to have any effect at all, except it's going to make him fearful, resentful and upset. That doesn't seem to me to be a good way to do this. We can't educate children through fear. That's terrible. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give me a call on this. I know a lot of you have got some very strong strong feelings on this. Uh, The the woman that was sent to prison, by the way, she done some, it would appear that she did some pretty bad things. She hit a 15-year-old. 15 is too old to be smacking as well, isn't it? Well, I mean, what age do you start smacking? And what age do you sm- uh, stop? Two and a half? Would you smack a two and a half year old? Really? Would you? Two and a half? But you're like a big six foot strapping bloke, and that's a two and a half year old, and you think that's acceptable. And then what age do you stop? Do you stop when they're big enough to hit you back? 81333, starting your text, 3CR. Uh, you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. The, the, the lady in this story, whose, whose name we don't know, uh, she hit the, uh, the 15-year-old, cause, causing him a bruised ear. Uh, she slapped her three sons on three occasions over a seven-year period, also once, bang, once banged two of their heads together. Come on, that's from comics. That happens in films. You don't, you don't, but do you know how painful it is to have your head banged against someone else's head? If you've ever done it by accident, man alive, that hurts. To do it deliberately to two little ones, come on. Listen, there's very few things I feel strongly about. I'm quite a, a passive, uh, impartial gentleman, but I genuinely believe this. If you smack your kids, you are a bad parent. Because you are not looking at all of the other options that are available to you. And there are a lot of... I once had a row with Philip Schofield about this. Can you believe this? I say row. Voices weren't raised, but there was tension in the room. Philip Schofield has, uh, told me that he smacked his kids. I was very surprised. And um, uh, the, who else was I on? I was, uh, I was on this morning at some point, and we had a discussion about smacking kids years ago. And I was really surprised that the Silver Fox admits that he's done it. it, it and people do. I just don't think it's a very good thing to do. It's 7.15, it's Tuesday the 2nd of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A major search has been going on all night in mid-Wales for a five-year-old girl who's believed to have been abducted. Remote-controlled spy planes could soon be used as backup for police in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. 
in sport. Defending champions England are out of Cricket's World 2020 after a 19-run defeat to Sri Lanka in their final match of the Super 8s. We'll have weather in a few minutes with Chris Bell. And next we'll hear from a woman about sheds. It's her husband's sheds. He had five. This morning as well, we're also talking about smacking. Last night, a mother was freed from prison after smacking her children. Is it ever acceptable to smack your children? Someone has tweeted me. My shed is where I take my kids to smack them. Now, oh, come on now. I don't think you're being serious. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Always worth a listen uh, to Nick's show. 08459 455 555. Uh, sheds, smacking, spy planes. What a mixed show this morning. Gina's in Stopley. Uh, Stopsley. Good morning, Gina. Good morning. You, you've called in about sheds, haven't you? I have, yes. Okay. Have you got one? Do you use it? Uh, we've got five in the garden. Sorry? <laughs> we've got five. Five sheds? Yes. How big is your garden? Do you live in Buckingham Palace or something? No, it's just an ordinary garden, really, and they sort of in a row round the bottom of the garden. <laughs> yeah! What a, lo- what a lovely image. Why on earth have you got five sheds? Well, my husband was a great collector. Unfortunately, he died about five years ago. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But uh, he collected everything and had his own museum down there. Oh, my goodness. Great. What, what, what did he have? OK, so obviously he collected sheds. What, what did he have in, in the sheds that he collected? Ooh. Kitchen equipment. And he, he had one of the first vacuum cleaners and a washing <laughs> machine and uh, agricultural tools. Hang on a second. This is, yeah. a, this is the best list I've ever heard. OK, first of all, kitchen equipment. What kitchen equipment did he have? All sorts of things. It was like Grandma's kitchen in there. All the old items they had in the kitchen. You know, from from when, like the fifties or something? Uh, no, back further than that, really. Wow. I think uh, sort of beginning of last century, really. Really, and he's got the, he's got one of the first ever vacuum cleaners. Yes, that's about hundred years old. What? This is amazing. <laughs> what else has he got? Go on, this is wonderful. Um, he's, he's got uh, cameras and projectors. Each shed is sort of uh, specialises in different sections. There's a little theme in each a one, is there? Theme, that's right. Yeah. I, li- I like the projectors. I've got an old um, 8mm projector and I tried to get it working this week and it, unfortunately it's, it's, it, it's passed away. It doesn't work anymore, which is a great shame because I love those old projectors. That's right. I don't know if ours work a lot anymore. I mean, oh. they're magic lanterns and... Uh, oh my goodness. So, all sorts of things. Uh, obviously he passed away, as you said, a few years ago and that's very yeah. sad. I- I'm guessing you could never get rid of that stuff. Well, I do. I'm trying to find somewhere now that might sort of house it or take it over over as a, you know, an, uh, as a memorial to him. Yeah. Originally, Woodside Animal Farm wanted to take it on, but they can't now. Right. So I'm looking for somewhere like that. I'm actually um, publishing a book at the end of the month. Oh. And, um, the first part of it is all about his museum. There's lots of pictures. Yeah. And, um, and the second part, he, he was a, a historian. He'd written a book in the past about Limbrian biscuit parts of Luton. Yeah. And uh, What was his name, Gina? Colin Cook. Colin Cook. Listen, what many we, people will remember him. What we might do is we might send Justin or someone around to, to have a look at your sheds, if that's he all right. He already saw it three years ago. Did he? Well, I'm sending... Listen, you've got a book coming out. He's going to come round again. Yeah. Is that all right? Well, I'm hoping that there would be some publicity in the local papers, too. Yeah, forget the local papers, those losers. You've got us. You've got Ian Lee <laughs> on BBC Three Counties. We're going to give you the publicity. It has been on twice before, because Martin Coote came to talk to Colin about uh, ten years ago now. Listen, and, uh, Gina, stay on the line. We're going to get your details, and uh, Justin or someone is going to come out again, right. and we're going to have a little look at your sheds, and we'll have a little look at your book as well. Well, the book is not, it's at the printers at the moment, so I haven't got one to show him just until about the end of the month. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure, we, we'll, we'll leave it a few weeks then. Yeah. Okay. All right, Gina, lovely to talk to you. How cool is that? Gina's sheds. Justin, I've got a job for you. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. <laughs> 
Now, if you've ever seen uh, a, a car crash or a near-fatal road accident at some point, you'll know just how di- distressing it is. Well, imagine that situation, but the person involved is your own daughter. And that was the reality for one mother from Milton Keynes. Uh, Margaret Bowers' uh, daughter, uh, Olivia, was seriously injured when she was hit by a car as she crossed the road on her way to school nearly two weeks ago. Margaret joins us on the line now from the John Radcliffe Hospital in Oxford, where Olivia's being treated. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning. First things first, how is Olivia this morning? Uh, she's doing absolutely brilliantly. Um, she's come a long way since um, since the accident. She's actually off the ventilator. She's breathing for herself. She's opening her eyes, and uh, they're hoping at some point today she'll be moved to the ward. Oh, fantastic. Let's get a couple of facts. How long ago did it happen, Margaret? It'll be two weeks ago this Thursday. Two weeks ago. And how old is Olivia? Uh, she's 13. She's actually 14 this coming Saturday. Oh, OK, so... But she... And she's been in... She, is she still in the coma? If she's opened her eyes, does that mean she's out of the coma? Uh, well, initially, because the injuries were so bad, um, she was in and out of consciousness. Right. So they had to put her in a medically induced coma. OK. Um, as well as give her drugs to completely paralyse her. And at one point, they had to put her in what they called um, a complete coma. So um, she was on She was on that. They, they actually reduced all that um, so many days ago. And uh, so, but they take a while to come out of the system. Yeah. So, so as each day that sort of passes, she'll be more and more alert. But she's breathing on her own. She's opening her yeah. eyes. That must yeah. be fantastic for you. It is. It's absolutely brilliant. There was one at one point we had, we were literally the family were called in to say our goodbyes. Oh, to her. It was just everything just sort of deteriorated and. You know, that was, that was, you know, a parent's worst nightmare. Of course it is. Now, you saw the accident, but you didn't yeah. know it was Olivia. What, d- no, tell us what was happening. I was actually on the way taking my five-year-old to school on the bus, and um, from where I lived, the next bus stop is in between where the accident happened, and I'd actually, you could actually see um, all these cars, and I just saw what, well, I now know was my daughter's Olivia's clothes. I saw so she has this khaki-coloured coat and mm. a cream cardigan. I'd seen that and said to myself, oh, my Olivia's got um, a coat like that. And I just thought to myself, oh, the poor person. But you never think for one minute it's your own child. So you were on the bus and you went past. You didn't. When did you realise it was Olivia? At uh, the, the time, the point where I realised it was Olivia, when, when the bus got to the next bus stop, um, it's called the Magic Roundabout in Milton Keynes, yeah. um, I, was, I got a phone call, I didn't recognise the number, and it was the police oh. saying, that, um, um, is that Margaret Bounds? I said, yes. They said, it's about Olivia. She's not in any trouble, but um, where are you? They took us, we're at, we're at your, um, where I live, but well, you're not in. And I said, oh, well, I can actually see you, because I was near the traffic lights on the bus at the time. I, can, I said, I can actually see you. I said, um, on the bus at the traffic lights. And then at that point, they said, oh, can you tell the bus driver to, to let you off now? And as soon as they said that, I knew it was serious. So basically, I got off the bus, and they met me, and they told me that um, Olivia's been in a car accident. And I actually said, is it the one just there? And at that point, they said, yes, it is. Oh, Margaret, Margaret. Listen, uh, she wasn't on the pedestrian crossing, is that right? No, that's right. Was she, close, a, was she close to it? She w- it's actually not far from where we live at yeah. all. But where she goes, and I think a lot of the other school children go, and in fact some of my other children have gone that way, is because it's, it's quicker. Yeah. Um, 
So she actually crossed not where the, the crossing is, and um, unfortunately, you know, it was no one's fault at all, that no driver was, no one's fault at all, and she yeah. just was on the phone to her friend and wasn't looking and just got hit by a car. Can I say, Margaret, I think that's very noble of you to say that it's no one's fault, because, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I have no idea how I would react in this, but I would want to be putting the blame somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the... Um, the police actually checked the driver and made yeah. sure that she wasn't on the phone or doing any texting, and she wasn't. So, you know, that's why I actually feel for the driver, because it was just it was totally unfortunate. When you went into... Uh, I'm guessing you saw Olivia first in the hospital. Yes. Well, the police, um, when I had my fly roll and um, when I got off the bus, they literally met me, and we went straight to um, Milton Keynes Hospital. How... Uh, listen, I've got, a little, I've got two little boys. They're, they're two and a half yeah. and a baby. But I, I, I'm trying to imagine... How would I feel going into the hospital and seeing one of my boys linked up to machines in a coma? How did you feel when you walked into that room? Oh, I just, it was, it was absolutely horrendous. I was just crying and crying and crying because at one point the doctors, they said um, it's potentially fatal that the injuries that she had. And, um, and then because John, um, John Rackless is that they specialise in brain injury, mm. so they had to move her to this hospital. But um, it was... You know, it, it was, you know, I never, ever want to go through this ever mm. again. And, you know, I hope no one else has What's to. the prognosis? What What are the doctors saying is, is a potential outcome? Is she going to be okay? Um, so far, with all the with all the signs that she's given, like, I, I actually at one point, was it yesterday, I, um, I didn't know that she was going to do it. I, I, I told her, Mum's here, Olivia. She opened her eyes and I said, um, I asked Olivia to squeeze my hand and she did. Oh, don't you're making but, me cry, Margaret. <laughs> oh, for goodness sake. And that made sakes. me cry and, I, and then sort of, as the afternoon went on, it just it just got so... I mean, they still don't know. They said there's a long road to recovery, yeah. a lot of rehabilitation, um, she'll be seeing psychologists and stuff, but um, she's here, she's alive. And she's in there, know, isn't she? She's, she's, she's aware that you're there, and that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Listen, when she gets well enough, bring her in here, and we'll, have a, we'll get I her will on. I will do. <laughs> uh, very quickly, some people are campaigning, aren't they, to have traffic lights? That's right, yes, because even though there is one near the house, that is actually... Um, the only traffic light there is where I am. And so there's a, a friend of mine um, has been absolutely brilliant. In fact, there's so many people that have helped me out, you know, people that I don't even know have been sending in their sympathies. Mm. Um, she's doing a campaign to try and get traffic lights put um, where the accident happened. Fantastic. The council, um, they haven't actually been answering their phones, but um, she's, they're hoping that Keep they will. Trying. Be. Margaret, yeah. listen, best of luck. Lots of love to you <laughs> and Olivia. You I, I look forward to meeting you both when she's better. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank there we you. go. What a, what a story. You just can't uh, imagine what that's like, can you? Well, later on, Justin is going to be at the uh, spot where Olivia was knocked down. I'm meeting Ross Dean, who is campaigning for a safer crossing point. Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! Here till nine o'clock, then it's Bill Buckley filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Coming up in the next half an hour, more on smacking, more on men in sheds, and also uh, Network Rail has opened a huge centre in Milton Keynes, employing thousands of people. Many of them have travelled from miles away. I know there's at least one person who's travelled all the way from Edinburgh to get a job there. What's the furthest you've ever travelled for work? I wait four five nine four double five five double five, and we're talking as well about smacking because a mother jailed after her children told social workers she smacked them was freed from prison last night. A judge said her actions were no worse than those of many loving and caring parents throughout the land. 
He criticised the junior judge who jailed her for 18 months and ordered that she should be released immediately. Our reporter Justin Dealey has been out in Milton Keynes finding out whether you think it's acceptable to smack children. Sometimes it depends. If the child's not old enough to understand, then no, because the child's not going to understand why it's being smacked and it's just going to get upset. If the child's older and understands the reason they've done it wrong, then obviously you can emphasise it as long as you don't smack them too hard. What do you say to anybody, though, who says that it's cruel, it's outrageous to smack a child, that that is just wrong, what you're saying? I'd say, why are they living in a nanny state still? Realistically, it doesn't matter. Our generation got a smack when they were younger. Are we bad people? No. Did it affect us mentally? No. Linda, you're a mother of two. You have smacked your children. When you smack them, how did that make you feel? At the time, I was angry, but it wasn't like, you know, a real hard smack. It was more like just a correctional. But even still, I don't think it really... You get anything from it, really. Nor do they, because at the end of the day, they might think that's acceptable, and then they carry on and do it themselves. So, did you feel like you were a bad parent when you did that? Probably not, really, at the time, because I thought I was putting them on the right track. But yeah, now I do. Yeah. The smacking doesn't work. No. From what you're saying, it's it's all in the tone of the voice. You don't need to smack to get your point across. Correct. There's other ways to make them see right from wrong without physical smacking them, yeah. Clive, you have two children. Uh, the key question this morning, is it ever acceptable to smack a child? Um, I don't think so, no. It's, um, it is a very contentious sort of subject, but no, I don't think so. Very personal question. Mm. Have you ever done it yourself? I have, yes, on a couple of occasions. And is that just because, in the heat of the moment, you lost it? And th- this judge is saying that you can still be a loving parent even if you smack your mm. child. So you'd probably get along with his comments, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah. It was in the heat of the moment, and yeah, it does happen. I think if you smack your kids, you're a bad parent. I think, I think it's a terrible thing to do. Big, big people hitting little people, controlling them through fear and violence. Really? 08459 455 555. You've got some texts. Um, anonymous. Why does hitting your kid make you bad parent? It never do me any harm. I'm 44 and I still can't swear in front of my mum and I heard young kids at five calling their mum names. Well, listen, I don't know who you are, but the amount of spelling mistakes and bad grammar in that um, the, the text would imply that if you weren't getting smacked so much, you might be able to spell properly. Dan, morning Ian, were you smacked by your parents? What does that say? I don't get that at all. Have I, have I missed something? Uh, and Carol says on the email, how ridiculous to jail a woman for smacking her child. As long as it's not excessive and uses a short shock for the safety of a child, then it's acceptable. I read the report and her children were older teens. They are quite savvy these days and probably reported her in anger to get her back for being punished. I bet they didn't realise it would go so far. Carol, she bruised a 15-year-old's ear. Do you know how hard you have to hit someone to bruise their ear? You have to hit them very hard. 08459 555 555. Sheds as well. We've been talking a lot about sheds this morning after there's a, a, a great scheme that's been set up. Men in sheds, and it's to help loneliness in old men. And I've been asking, what do you do in your sheds? And again, I, I'm putting this out and I will hunt this like a dog looking for a bone until nine o'clock. If you're a woman that uses a shed, can you give us a call, please? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I don't want. I can't believe it's just men that use sheds. Dave's in Todno. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. How are you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Do you have a shed? 
not at the moment. I, you'd I like, you'd like one, wouldn't you? Well, no, I've, I've used them, but I mainly use the garage. Oh, go on, OK. Um, I guess I suppose that's an alternative. We'll accept that. Well, I started off with restoring two classic motorbikes in the garage. Yeah, that's fair enough. That sounds like a nice And then hobby. I bought an aeroplane. Excuse me? An aeroplane. Right. Um, which I started restoring. How big... Um, are you all millionaires listening? How big is your garage? Oh, I don't know, 25 foot long or so, not that's, very big. That's not a garage, that's a hangar. Okay. No, 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 it's only small in the garden. Can I, can I ask, where, where do you buy an aeroplane from? Easy, from other people. You know, I'm into aeroplanes <laughs> Yeah, there things. you go, that's an obvious, <laughs> obvious So thing, I started yes. that, and then I had to move that out when I bought the Ford Mustang. Oh, for God, for goodness so, so, yes. I shifted the, my aeroplane over to my father's, where I got two vintage gliders that we're restoring. Oh, my goodness gracious me, Dave. And uh, one of the vintage gliders is, will be the oldest airworthy vintage, or glider, British glider, when it's finished. How old is it? It's 1935. It's uh, older than the one they've got at Shuttleworth. Are you ever going to Are you going to go up in these gliders or this no, aeroplane? I don't, I, don't, I don't fly. What? My father flies, my son flies. So is your dad going to use it? Um, your dad's well, he's, 80, he's 84 now, so... He's not um, on a glider, is he? Oh, yeah, he still flies gliders now at 84, yeah, yeah. D- <laughs> Does he really? That's fantastic! I said that l- last week that all, all drivers over 75 should be banned, and now you've got a dad who's flying a glider at 84, that's wonderful! Yeah. Well, they're a lot safer. Uh, and, uh, do, do you, I guess, are you married? Do you have a wife? What's the... D- no, divorced. Luckily divorced. Beautiful. There you go, Dave. You're, li- you're living the dream in many ways. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you wouldn't replace it for a shed at all? You're happy with uh, the garage? Well, yeah, I oh, know. I've got to build a shed. Because um, if my dad ever pops his clogs, so I've got to build a 30-foot-long shed to put the gliders in right. and the motorbikes okay. in. <laughs> That's a cheery I've thought. I've got room. It's just a matter of getting around to building David, it. David, can I ask you a personal question? Yep. Did you get divorced because of the aeroplanes and the motorbikes and the gliders and the cars? No, my wife, ex-wife was a violent alcoholic. OK, well, there we go. On that bombshell, David, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear that. Sorry for prying into your life. No, no, and no problem. Thank you very much for t- sharing your story about the gliders. Right, OK. There cheers. you go. You see, every, behind every closed door, dear listener, there is a story. Sometimes you want to open that door, and sometimes it's best to keep that door shut and locked. Thank you very much, Dave, for being so honest. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Wonderful. Now, Network Rail says it's set up uh, a new... Na- well, it doesn't say it. It's done it. It's set up a new national centre in Milton Keynes, and it's because it's at the heart of the railway. It's now become one of the biggest employees in the new city, with more than 2,500 staff working at the Quadrant. Quadrant, that'll rise to 3,000 in January. More than 150 people have been employed from the local area, although many have relocated from much further afield to work there. Our reporter, Jessica Cooper, has been talking to staff, including Richard Doyle, the HR Director for Network Rail. The vision, fundamentally, was to bring together uh, people working across the business into a single location for our corporate functions, uh, people who are doing planning activities, uh, human resources, procurement, who were located across about 15 different uh, central facilities uh, across the country. Uh, But the vision really is bringing people to the heart of the country, to the heart of the railway, uh, to work together uh, and and for the good of the railway, uh, to improve the safety, reliability and, and performance. 
So that's why Milton Keynes was chosen, because of its location, it's basically. It's very central. It has fantastic uh, uh, infrastructure locally, whether that be schooling. Uh, obviously, it's great in terms of the railway, what, three minutes from uh, Milton Keynes Central Railway Station. Mm. Uh, great catchment area in terms of uh, talent. Uh, yeah, we've recruited, a lot of the people recruited externally have come from the Milton Keynes area. Around 40% are Milton Keynes, Northampton postcodes. Uh, we've relocated a lot of people here, uh, and a number of people are able to, to travel because yeah, we're in touch of North London, and we're certainly in touch of Birmingham, given the expo- excellent tra- transport links. How many people are, are working here now, then? Is this building fully operational now? Uh, pretty much. Um, we're about 75%, 80% occupied. Uh, the majority of people... Around 2,500 people moved in over the past three months, uh, from June to September. Uh, We have another phase in January uh, when a number of people uh, will join. So it is big. Uh, It's based around four individual blocks uh, with a roof over the top and a street between them. Uh, And each of the blocks you'll see three stories high and each named after one of the lakes in Milton Keynes. My name's Stuart Ash, I'm a duty controller within the uh, National Operations Centre at Network Rail Milton Keynes. If I'm sat on a train and I hear on the tannoy that there's a delay because of um, an accident or an engineering problem or something, you'll be looking here at that problem and trying to sort it out. Uh, the, the individual route controls will, will manage the, uh, the incident on their route. What we'll endeavour to do is uh, keep an eye on how that's being managed and more, uh, more importantly the effect it has on other routes. So in front of us it looks a bit like a game of Pac-Man or something. It's a black screen with some bright colours on. Um, are they the trains? That's it, yeah. The, each, each of those, uh, those screens represents uh, an area of a, an individual route. All the coloured numbers uh, represent uh, trains, uh, green, being, uh, green being on time, uh, purple or pink, sorry, being uh, over 20 minutes late. So the more green, the better. Have you moved to this area or have you relocated? Um, I was actually, I, I moved to the, uh, the NOC uh, when it moved from London to Milton Keynes um, three years ago. Um, so obviously since then we've moved over to the Quadrant um, a, a, a couple of months ago. So it's, a, it's, a, it's been a nice, nice change moving from that office to this office. It's a mm. nice environment to work in. I am a local girl. I live in Milton Keynes. Um, was looking for a new opportunity. Saw all of the press coverage about the Quadrant and the opportunities that it um, provided. I thought, what a great opportunity. My name is Kate Roglowski and I am communications manager in the National Level Crossings team. It's a, an amazing building to work in. You know, the job's the key thing, but actually having really nice surroundings obviously helps things along a bit. It does make you wonder, how far, how far would you go for work? I've been really lucky that I've, I've kind of... A lot of my work... Uh, has been pretty local to me. And there's sometimes I've had jobs away, but in, in this ridiculous industry, you get treated far too well and you get flown and, and tra- driven in cars and trains and everywhere. So I've never had to worry. I did once turn down a high-profile job in Manchester that would have involved me moving to Manchester. I didn't fancy it. I, I, I live down here. You know, my family are down here. I couldn't make that big a move. Very nearly moved to Japan for a year, but that's a whole different kettle of fish. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. What's the fur- furthest that you have or would move for work? Good morning, this is Ian Lee. It's seven forty-five, Tuesday, the second of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. A major search has been going on all night in Mid Wales for a five-year-old girl who's believed to have been abducted. The head of the new National Police Air Service is suggesting remote-controlled spy planes could soon be used in Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. 
Sport defending champions England are out of the world 2020 after losing by 19 runs to host Sri Lanka. The weather across beds, hearts and bucks. It's dry with patchy cloud and a top temperature of 17 degrees. And coming up, more on those remote control spy planes. And men in sheds, what do you do in yours? 81333, start your text 3CR. Or give me a call, 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. We will be celebrating Beatles Day on this show by playing some music. We've got some great clips and interviews and guests, but I, I really want your tenuous Beatles links as well. So we had one yesterday. My brother once owned Sergeant Pepper's. Fantastic. I want really tenuous Beatles links. Can you email them to me? Then we'll read out the best ones on Friday. If you send it to 3CR at bbc.co.uk and uh, mark the subject heading Ian Lee Beatles Day. And the best ones, the more tenuous, the better. And we'll read them out. Now... We're talking about smacking after a, a woman was freed from jail by a judge who said that actually smacking is all right. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Deborah is in Stevenage. Good morning, Deborah. Deborah. We may have we may have just lost Deborah there. I, I will hand her back to the team and we will see if we can uh, can track Deborah down again because she had some story to say. I have to say, I do think if you smack your kids. You're a, you're a bad parent. You've lost the argument, haven't you? Big people hitting little people. That doesn't make any sense at all to me. No sense at all. We'll see if we can get uh, Deborah back and we'll come back to her in a little bit. Uh, we'll come back to her later on. Uh, there is a project in Milton Keynes that's aiming to prevent more elderly men from becoming lonely by extending its opening hours. I think this is a cracking story. Men in sheds offers men the chance to do woodwork, model making and crafts surrounded by other people rather than on their own at the end of the garden. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, he's not an old man, but he's getting there. You're in Milton Keynes. <laughs> Sorry, Justin, I didn't know you could hear me. Thank you, Ian. You're welcome. You're in Milton. You're there now, aren't you, in Milton Keynes? Do, do you know what, Ian? You mentioned earlier on uh, a big part of my childhood was going to my friend's shed. He was called Lee. He lived in Hemel Hempstead. We had a TV in oh, there. We had a radio in how, there. How, how, how old were you when you did that? I was about what, 14, 15? Perfect. Perfect. I mean, great banter. When I turned up with Commodore's Gold and said, "Let's put this on the record player," <laughs> it, it didn't go down too well. But um, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I do love getting these little glimpses into your oh, life. Oh, yeah, it's very strange glimpses. But, yeah, I'm in, I'm inside this shed right now. It's absolutely brilliant. It's a shame that you're in the studio. We should be doing an outside broadcast in this place because it's just surrounded by great people. Lots happening here, woodwork, metalwork, computing as well. I'm now going to introduce you to some of the characters. And I don't know whether you saw the production notes, Ian, but it says John Hancock, 69 years old. Yeah, so I'm looking he at is, now. He is just like you, Justin, except an older version. Oh, my God. Goodness gracious me. Well, let me tell you something. John turned up in the car park this morning, blaring out country music. (laughs) He got out of his car. He's wearing a cowboy hat and he's wearing cowboy boots. (laughs) (laughs) So, let's have a chat with him. John, welcome to the programme. Come across for us. Um, You're here. You're certainly a character. Um, Are you an older version of me, looking at me right now? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I was nearly as handsome as you when I was your age. (laughs) You're a character, uh, like all of you here. Um, You officially retired nine years ago. So, in your own words then, John, what do you get up to in this shed here? Well, uh, anything at all, really. Uh, At the moment, I'm just mucking with what everybody else is doing, and, you know, uh, we've still got to get it off the ground. We've got equipment to build. Um, We've got to fit it all out. And so, just there. Mm. You've kindly agreed to sing for us at the end, which I'm thoroughly looking forward to, by the way. But uh, in 30 seconds behind us, you're actually a very, very talented man. Tell us what we've got here. Well, you've got a collection of one one twelve scars. That's one inch to the foot um, horse-drawn vehicles. 
And how long did it take you to make those? Uh, about two years apiece. Two years. Yeah. What I'm going to do, I'm going to take a photograph and put that on our Facebook page because you are a very, very talented man. Also going to bring some of the other guys into the conversation. With me here as well is Peter. Peter, welcome to the programme. You're 66 years old. What do you get from this shed then? Um, I get the company. I get a lot of challenge. Um, I'm the chair of the, uh, the group, the steering group. So um, we've been fundraising, getting equipment, uh, planning the place out, and uh, we're just ready to, uh, to get underway with it. It's a bit like herding cow, uh, uh, cats at times, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, quite rewarding. The first words this morning when the shit opened was, uh, who's got the kettle on? Where's the bacon rolls? <laughs> Uh, this is true. Um, yeah. We couldn't find the key to start with, so that was a handicap. It was a good start. Also going to bring Nigel into the conversation. These are fantastic people here, Ian. Nigel, you're 72 years old. You're a, a former building surveyor. When you retired, you got a bit bored, and you thought this was the, the, the best place to come to try and get some of your energy out and do something positive. Absolutely. And, um, you know, obviously rub shoulders with uh, a lot of uh, characters as you say and mm. um, but i really just joined in to learn to turn wood and uh weld metal because there's a couple of skills that i i lack and mm. um this was seemed like an opportunity and uh little did i know la- last march what i was getting into <laughs> so <laughs> and you say that in the nicest possible way and finally a word with heinz heinz come across for us uh we're now going european here heinz is from germany good and talk to you heinz Welcome to the programme. It's not just about woodwork, not just about some of the other things in here as well, which are all about manual work. You're the computer expert here. You're the IT man. So how's the computer skills going here? Yeah, very well, I hope. Uh, I just required lots of network cable, about 200 metres, so you can imagine the scale we're aiming for. Mm. Got my first three computers here, so let's see how it goes. And you have been practising. Can you give us a, a good and tag beds, hearts and bucks in your sexiest voice, please? Of course. Good morning, beds, hearts and bucks. Lovely stuff. And uh, we've got some contact numbers as well, um, because this place is absolutely thriving. Uh, Peter, you've got the details for this. Go Give us out the, the telephone number. Uh, Milton Keynes, that's 01908 267126. Or failing that, uh, you get on to our answer phone, Milton Keynes 550700. And you can also uh, see us on our website, meninsheddsmk.org. UK. Brilliant stuff. Ian, I think you'll agree, it's a fantastic idea. Yeah, it is a, a brilliant idea, and John here, who's got his cowboy hat on, has kindly agreed to give us 15 seconds of oh, the song. Wonderful. Uh, are you ready for this, Ian? Yeah, I'm more than ready. Okay, Let's I have don't it. quite know what's going to happen in the next 15 seconds, but <laughs> John, take it away. I just want to be your teddy bear. I don't want to be a tiger. Tigers play too rough. I don't want to be a lion, lions ain't the kind you love enough, I'm gonna be your teddy bear. Come on, Justin, join in. Come on, round of applause. Oh, you stopped that just before you got to join in, Justin. (laughs) I know, unfortunately, live radio, you know, we're on time restrictions here, Ian. Unfortunately, not today, but I've got to say, for anybody listening to this right now... (laughs) Time restrictions, you've got six minutes. In in Milton Keynes, if you're listening to this, you want to come down and get involved in this project, because I think yesterday when we first spoke about it, we weren't quite sure what to make of it, but being here today, I can guarantee you right now, if you come here, you will learn something, but also, you will 
will have great fun because yeah. the people here today are such a great laugh. And, you know, my dad's just retired recently and he's going to be looking for something to do recently. These blokes are now laughing. Yeah, don't be too concerned about my dad coming here. Uh, but uh, it's, it's a great place to come, something to do. And it's not just oh. about what happens in here. It's about what happens when they leave the shed as well. It's all good. What, what happens in the shed stays in the shed. I've mm. got a problem with this, Justin. One problem mm. with it. And maybe you could, uh, it, it's just for old men, is it? Why can't I go down there and hang out? It sounds like fun. Well, shall we ask the man in charge? What's, what's the age quickly? limit? What's the age, <laughs> the, the, the lower age limit? It's the man in charge. We're, we're talking today about, obviously, older men using this, and I say that in the nicest possible way. What about people like Ian? What about people like myself? Can we also come down? In, in our mid-30s. I think you're happy to work in alongside older men, absolutely. We, although we say it's for older men, we haven't put an age limit on it. Um, and indeed, when the shed started and we were working at the Christian Foundation, many of the older guys here worked alongside the youngsters that were involved in the Christian Foundation Youth mm. Programme, and some of them have now started formal mentoring. So uh, there's no age restriction, but as long as you accept that this is for older men um, and you're prepared to rub in, absolutely, we're, we're not putting an age restriction I'll be on down it. there at half past nine, <laughs> Justin. Yeah, <laughs> make sure the kettle's on, they've got some hobnobs. You mentioned about women earlier on as well, didn't you? Would they be welcome in the shed? Nigel, I think, would be up for that. He wants some talent <laughs> down here. Only if I can make tea. <laughs> oh, <laughs> boys. Tea, was yeah, yeah. yeah. Boys. If you can make tea, you're welcome. Justin, listen, thank you very much. Lots of love, and uh, that you. sounds like a lot of fun. See you later on. See you soon. Did I just wish Justin lots of love? Why did I do that? That was weird, wasn't it? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, talking of sheds, I've been asking lots of love, Justin. That's very odd. We've been asking for a lady to call in um, who has a shed. Geraldine's called in. Good morning, Geraldine. Good morning. You're in Houghton Regis. Have you got a shed? I have a big shed. Is it yours? Yes, because it's mine. Well, I was worried that it might be... We've had some women getting in touch, but to talk about their husbands or their partners' sheds. But this is definitely your shed. Oh, no, the husband's buried underneath the shed. Excuse me? (laughs) 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 Well, that's that's, uh, one way uh, to get rid of him. No, Uh, without my neighbour, I built a shed. It's eight foot by eight foot. Fantastic. Why did you build a shed, Geraldine? Because of lawnmowers, and I liked uh, building things at the time, because I could... But I can't now, so... But, no, it's just a place to put things, paint and, and stuff. I just like making things. So, so you, don't, you, you don't go in there and use it for anything? It's just to store stuff? It's a, a traditional, let's be, put the lawnmower and the ladder in there? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, there, God, I don't want to go and sit in there, no. That's like going fishing, isn't it? See, no. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you're kind of half on our side. Because uh, as a man, the thought of having a shed that I can go and sit in and read books and look at, you know, that sounds wonderful to me, but it, it doesn't interest you at all. No, if I had a man, I'd be glad if he went in the shed as well. <laughs> <laughs> Geraldine, it's lovely to talk to you. Well done on building a shed, and thank you for calling. OK, bye. There we go. She, so she's half of what we're looking for. She's got a shed, but the thought of sitting in it for hours on end strikes her as ridiculous. I'm still scratching my head over why I said lots of love to Justin. Anyway, 08459 four double five five double five. Is there a woman who's got a shed, but uses it and goes and sits in there and reads? Maybe you've got a computer in there or a little radio. Kettle. You have a cup of tea and some hobnobs. Well, it's the second time I've mentioned them. I really fancy a biscuit now. 08459 four double five five double five. And we've got another hour of the show, so you can still give me a call and tell me your thoughts on smacking children. I'll say it again. If you smack a child, you are a bad parent. There is never any need to smack a child. A big person hitting a little person. You have lost the argument immediately. And all of this, well, it's, it, it, it never did me any harm. <laughs> really? 
And that doesn't mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it's okay. You know, I, I broke my arm once, and it's all right. Never did me any harm. But it doesn't mean it's all right. I wouldn't want to do it again. 08459 455 555. I've never broken my arm, by the way, before the day, Daily Mail investigates. There's another hour of this. How good are we to you? Do give us a call for any of the things we're talking about. I'll give the number out just after eight, so you've got time to go and get a pen and pencil. Smacking and all other things we're talking about. But first, the news with Catherine. Good morning, dear listeners. It's the last hour of the show. Coming up, more on these unmanned spy plane things that are going to be flying around. What do you think about them? Will they make you feel safer? We'll be talking about smacking. If you smack your children, you are a bad parent. And more on sheds. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, unmanned spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire, supporting the work of police officers on the ground. Chief Constable Alex Marshall, who's leading the new National Police Air Service, has said drones that could stay in the air longer and would be cheaper than running manned aircraft. That doesn't make sense. Anyway, he thinks they should be considered as a possible idea. Well, with us now, we have uh, Emma Carr from Big Brother Watch and Mike Pannett, an author and former Met Police officer. Good morning. Good morning, Ian. Uh, Anna, uh, uh, so Emma, are you there? Yes, I am. Good yeah. morning. Mike, now, how helpful could these uh, drones be for policing, Mike? Well, I think it's, they could be very helpful um, in quite a few ways. I think technology needs to be advanced a little bit better for police use in, you know, the great in, let's say, over deserts for distance flying. And obviously when you're in um, terrain where you might be under enemy attack, of course, uh, sending drones up unmanned is, 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 is one thing where you're not meant going to lose a, a pilot, potentially. And if you do lose a drone, which unfortunately quite, quite a few have been lost, as the Americans found when they lost one in Iran, um, they, then, then yes, it, they, they potentially have a great use for police. But of course, it, at the moment, the, the British weather doesn't make the flying of drones quite as useful as they could possibly be. And, and with low cloud cover that we often get, it's very difficult to think that they could replace the standard police helicopter, which obviously is, is far more versatile, if that makes sense. Emma, you're from Big Brother Watch, a, 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 an organisation, I guess we would call you, that's concerned with how people are being watched and monitored. I'm guessing you're against these drones, are you? Yeah, just a little bit, yes. I mean, as, uh, as the other caller said, um, these drones have been developed for military use. They're very intrusive and very sophisticated pieces of technology, which we're going to suddenly have hovering o- over us in towns and cities. Mike, how do you respond to that? Well, I think, I think you know, anything which can enhance the police um, capability of, you know, finding offenders, gathering intelligence potentially, or on surveillance issues, issues. obviously what the police are doing, they're not looking to be intrusive into people who are not breaking the law, but, but you know, we've, we've got a case this morning which is which is, has hit the headlines everywhere, as we know about um, poor, poor little April, who, who has gone missing this morning, and of course it takes a great deal of manpower to go out and um, search woodland and and, and great vast areas and, and you know especially in missing and vulnerable missing persons you know you know I've worked in London and in the rural counties of North Yorkshire and if you've got a, a great distance to cover calling in helicopters it is an expensive but 
very ex- effective way of, 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 on this particular case, of looking for missing persons. Mike, you mentioned the, 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 the case of uh, Little April who's missing. It's a very emotive case and is, is very big at the moment. Are you suggesting that these unmanned drones could possibly help in a situation like that? Well, I think, I think you know, depending on what they're going to be kitted out with, I think as technology is advancing, of course it is, um, then, then potentially in the future, I think Liverpool, Merseyside were last tested a sort of drone and just sort of tested it, but it ended up in the Mersey. So there's a lot of work to be done. Oh, At the right. moment, police helicopters, I don't think, could be replaced by drones because there's not got hover capabilities where mm. you need to look at a target and, and, and stay focused on it. So at the moment, the drones are sort of fixed wing of the cheaper options. Um, and I think once technology develops going into the future, potentially... Um, they've got a role in policing, but at the moment I don't think they have. So we're some way off. But but Emma, they could help us find missing kids. That's got to be good, isn't it? I don't really know how true that is, to be honest. For a drone to capture images of that that nature, they would have to be hovering very, very low. And we know with CCTV in general, all they do is gather indiscriminate um, images, and they rarely actually capture the images of the people that they're looking for. And so that's something that's to be concerned about. But if the police are bringing them in as a substitute to policing. Now, that's something to be concerned about as well. Mike, do you think that these, this is being suggested just to save money and to take... to, to reduce manpower? Well... You know, my views at the moment is are, are quite clear. I'm very concerned about what's happening with our air support um, national coverage, you know, in the early hours of the morning in particular, and I've made that quite clear yesterday on, on across the news. Mm. Um, but, but I think I'm always up for anything that can assist police in, you know, the reduction in crime, the detection of crime is, is vital. But I think, you know, just going back to the point of, um, of a missing person, and that's just one area that, that um, you know, the police helicopters are absolutely vital in. Well, you know, potentially in, in the future, you know, drones can operate very slowly, but obviously depending on, at the moment on the weather, and, and they do have heat seeking, so they can sweep across a large area and you, with thermal imaging would be able to spot potentially somebody who was in the middle of a wood or which might be a difficult place for, for, for people on the ground to get to. So there, I think there is a place. I think we've got to be open-minded. I, I totally agree. I don't think anybody wants to see police operating anything that would be in any way intrusive into an, anybody other than people who are, necessary, you know, who are breaking the law. Yeah, um, but that's an interesting point. We, we, it's been said by some people that I'm not doing anything wrong. I, I welcome the, the, all these spy cameras and these CCTV. CCTV and things like that, because it makes me safer. Would you not agree with that, Emma? Well, in, up to a point, and, and, and we're not against CCTV cameras and things like that at all, per se, as long as the evidence is there to back up the necessity and the proportionality of them being there. And having something that's unmanned, so you're lacking that human common sense of what images should and should not be gathered and what they should and shouldn't be looking for, I'm just not convinced that it will actually work. Mm. Well, I think I think you know, Emma, you, you're absolutely right, and 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 common sense in policing is is absolutely vital, and I'm glad mm. you use those words because it's something that's not bandied around too often at the moment because common sense is vital. But but I must I must always err on the side of I'm always up for um, anything that can assist policing in reducing crime or identifying offenders and making the, the the job better and more effective and more efficient, if you like. I'm up for, but right now we know where near that stage and of course to re- even think about replacing our air support 
helicopters mm. is a non-starter because they are absolutely vital for frontline police. Mike, did you say they tested one in Liverpool and it, it ended up in the Mersey? Well, so I gather that wow. was a, a report somebody said to me. And then, <laughs> you know, I think that, you know, there's always issues. I mean, you know, it was it was documented with the when the Americans these things are quite expensive because of the equipment they're carrying on, and when it fell into the wrong hands, of course, that was a big worry for the American militaries. You know, the people who have been working on these things. So I think you know. We don't. We're not in a position at the moment. I don't think there's the, the technology is quite right for really good use for police officers. And like I've said, the bad weather in this country. Let's say a helicopter, just for example, going out on a mission, whether it's looking after an armed robbery or a car chase or a missing vulnerable missing person in the early hours in the dark. They, you know, if it's bad weather, the helicopters can get up and fly under cloud cover of 800 feet, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, drones would have to be literally uh, at twice that, if not three times that height, mm. to be able to operate. And Mike, listen, thank you. Emma, last word to you. Well, it was, I think it was only a matter of time before we started to see military technology creeping into our civilian population, but I think let's just kind of pause and just see how things go. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Roger. Emma Carr from Big Brother Watch, and Mike Paddock, who's an author and former Met Police officer. Do you think it'll make you feel safer if these drones do happen? It's going to happen at some point. It seems pretty likely. Uh, we've been talking about smacking, and we've got a, a few texts on smacking. 81333, starting your text 3CR. Uh, T in St Albans says, back home in Africa, smacking was the only discipline. Never at one time did I feel abused. I thank my parents for it because I grew up great. Love my six-year-old very much, but I do occasionally smack him. Because I've done it before, sometimes just warning him that I'll do it is enough punishment. Uh, Ree says, sometimes we smack our kids out of fright. When my son was little, I caught him in the process of sticking his fingers in a socket. It frightened me so much I smacked his hand. He didn't go near a socket again. But I also remember my son throwing a temper and kicking me. So I got him by his arm and went to smack him. He let his legs go from under him. I ended up smacking him on his back and bruising him. I was mortified. Never smacked him again after that. My dear old granddad always used to say, when you smack a child, you knock one devil out and two devils in. I think he was right. Violence breeds violence. There we go. Ian, uh, this is from Pat. I smacked my kids because it was the right thing to do at the time. Some of those that consider smacking as not an option are probably bringing up the next generation of criminal because they will never know wrong from right. No, you're wrong, Pat. Uh, Not not in the slightest. Bringing up a generation of criminals. Bringing up a generation of people who are more thoughtful, more empathetic, more sympathetic, uh, and more uh, able to reason and not uh, not, uh, ruled by fear and violence. But thank you for your consideration on that. Um, Talking about sheds, we're all over the shop this morning. I love it. Sarah's in Long Crendon. Good morning. Sarah. Morning. Do you have a shed? I have a shed. Yes. Do you just store paint and lawnmowers in it? No, yes. no, no. The lawnmowers mowers out on the lawn. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> what do you do in your shed then, Sarah? I scrapbook. <laughs> really? Yes. What do, what do I've not heard the word scrapbook for about 30 years. What do you what do you scrapbook? Memories. What kind of memories? Well, you, you, you take your photographs, or you, or you can just write about a particularly nice day or a particularly rotten day that you've had. Yeah. You put it on special paper so that nothing deteriorates. You decorate it all around, and then you put it into a, a scrapbook album. How good is that? And how long have you been doing that for? Oh, I suppose in Britain for probably about the last six, seven years, because it's only become popular over here. Okay. For those, but I've been doing it for about, well, about 40 years because I was born with the American troops and it's massive over there and always has been. Wow, so you've been doing it for for 40 years? Yeah. And have you just got boxes full of these scrapbooks? No, 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 no. My shed, my shed is, is painted on the outside so it looks like a beach hut. Yeah. And on the inside I've got curtains. 
I've got an old Welsh dresser that I use for my storage. Fantastic. So I've got all my buttons and my ribbons and my papers. Oh, you're such a girl. I love it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I've, I've got an old wallpaper paste, pa- paper pasting table that I use for my workspace. Yeah. Um, and it's, so it's a proper little workroom. I, d- I don't have a spare room, so my shed's my spare room. I've got a kettle in there. I've got a radio in there. And when I've had enough of my family and think, I can't be bothered with you anymore, I'm going to scrap about this rotten day, I stomp off into my shed and I scrap Do, do, do you do it every day? No, not every day, no. Because uh, um, every, every few years, I try, I start keeping a diary. When my last son was born this year, I started keeping a diary. I was going to monitor his growth every day. I got to, like, six weeks, and I just couldn't be bothered with it. It's such a faff. It is, it is. I, I do it when... I want to do it because then it because if I, if I did it every day it would be a chore. Sarah, and could I you want e- to do it to enjoy it. Could you email us a picture of your um, your shed? I will see what I can do. I'm not particularly good on that kind of thing. <laughs> I will see what I can. Thank I can, you. I can scrapbook you a picture. There of we go. Things. That'll do, Sarah. Thank you very much. If anyone wants to send us pictures of their sheds, we'll put them on the Facebook page. Three uh, CR at bbc.co.uk. It's eight sixteen, Tuesday, the second of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hundreds of people in a small town in Mid Wales have joined a police search for a five-year-old girl believed to have been abducted yesterday evening as she played near her home. Privacy campaigners are criticising the head of the new National Police Air Network for suggesting unmanned spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. In sport, England coach Andy Flower has told the BBC there'll be a press conference within the next 36 hours that's likely to shed more light on whether Kevin Peterson will be included in the test squad that tours India in November. And coming up, this morning we're talking about smacking. Last night a mother was freed from prison after smacking her children. Is it ever acceptable? to smack your children. We'll talk to an author of a parenting book who believes smacking is non-harmful. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan is off boozing it up all week, uh, so Bill Buckley <laughs> is filling in for him. Now, Bill, you're, you're, you're doing yes. a great job. I really enjoyed it yesterday. Thank you. Thank I you. filled in for Jonathan um, a couple of months ago, and mm. I loved it. The thing I hated, and I didn't know I'd have to do this, was after the show, was actually doing the consumer phone call. So when people phone up and say, oh, my oh, lawnmower's yes, yeah, broken, or yeah. this card isn't... I thought that the team... <laughs> then went and found out. But, but the team do, but Jonathan does it as well. Yeah. I had to do it. I yeah. hated that bit. Why did you hate it? I'm a very anxious person. I uh-huh. don't like confrontation. Uh, and at home, it'll be my wife that would do the phone calls. Uh, to sort this out. Yes. Uh, did you make the phone calls yesterday? I did make the phone calls. Of course, I, I was calling on decades old experience. Of course, you're, you're past master of this. There was a time on the telly when I was. Uh, d- d- and it was the same situation. We presented the show, but during the week, we yeah. were also the researchers. So Hang four on, days a week, I used to do this. So there's maybe some youngsters listening who don't know you're on That's Life. Yes, you had to do all the phone calls as well there. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a you know a big show to get together, so there yeah. were people whose job was only to do those phone calls, but yeah. uh, the presenters also worked a full week, and the if we weren't out filming, uh, then we were uh, hitting the phones, bashing the phones. You so know. you must be uh, an expert at making these phone calls and confronting people. Uh, well, the old <laughs> the old skills are starting to de-rust, possibly. <laughs> oh, God, I hate it, I hate it. I, Jonathan's got, well, anyway, he's a, a tougher man than me. What's yeah. on the show this morning, Bill? Well, we're going to carry on your, your debate about uh, smacking. Oh, OK, yes. Uh, we're going to ask a slightly different question, which is, does smacking ever work? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, right or wrong, supposing your child is about to do something dangerous and you can't actually stop them any other way, or uh, maybe uh, they're making life very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yep. Um, it, it, it doesn't, it's not so much, is, is it right or wrong, although of course I'm sure we'll come on to that, but mm-hmm. we thought we'd just take it on a little bit into the, the grounds of, can it ever be uh, effective and, mm-hmm. and therefore maybe justifiable in certain circumstances? 
circumstances. So we've got that today. Uh, we're going to meet um, a, a male anorexic as well. Okay. Who says that uh, because it is primarily uh, still a female condition mm. uh, and thought of exclusively really as a female condition, if you're a male anorexic, and there are some, it's jolly hard to get the services and support that you need. It's funny, isn't it? Because I guess it does affect both sexes, but mm. you guess you perceive it to be a, a, a woman's a woman's problem, of I course. I believe it's still overwhelmingly a, yeah. a woman's problem, but uh, it's uh, like so many things in life, it's not it's not 100%, 0%. And the consumer hour, of course, later uh, on. Yes, we've got uh, one big triumph, which I managed, I did entirely single-handed <laughs> yesterday. Course. Oh, yes. Um, uh, so we've got some, uh, some results Excellent. and some new stories to take on board today. Fantastic, mm. Bill. I look forward to listening to it. Bill Buckley will be on at nine o'clock, filling in for Jonathan. If you want to give him a call, it's the same phone number as it is for me. 08459 555. See you later on. Now, a mother jailed after her children told social workers she smacked them was freed from prison last night. A judge said her actions were no worse than those of, quote, many loving and caring parents throughout the land, unquote. He criticised the junior judge who jailed her for 18 months and ordered that she should be released immediately. Well, Lynette Burroughs wrote the parenting book Good Children and she believes that smacking is an effective and non-harmful method of uh, discipline. Good morning, Lynette. Hello. Lynette, why do you think this? Uh, I should put it down to experience, probably. Like most people um, get such knowledge as they possess, not from uh, dusty old archives or from people sitting in offices, but from people actually doing the job. They go along and say, what works best? And then over time, and I don't mean a fashion, I mean a tradition, which is a test, actually. It's when something's been tested out millions of times. And people say, yes, what that child needs is a good smack, and that'll sort it. And that's what they have found works. But just because something's been tested millions of times doesn't mean it's right, though, does it? We, yeah. we evolve. We evolve and we learn from our mistakes, don't we? That's a ridiculous thing to say, if you uh, don't mind me saying. What, learning from our mistakes is a ridiculous thing to say? We, no, that's not a ridiculous Which thing Which was the ridiculous say. bit, then, It's then? saying that, A, tradition, something that's been done millions of times and found to work is probably wrong, is what you're saying, isn't it? I'm saying Especially that we, we, I'm saying we improve as... if it's done by as, women, no. eh? Sorry? Especially if it's done by women. What's that got to do with it? Um, well, because the attitude of a lot of uh, men is, oh, no, 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 but they're all wrong. I mean, human history and, I mean, let's face it, parents, uh, what you mean is mothers have always done it because they're the ones no, at that's home, not what I said at all. and they're what, all what wrong. What on earth are you talking about, Lynette? I've not mentioned women smacking children at all. No, but you've mentioned that smacking probably doesn't work. No, I, I, yeah, I think that if you smack, you're a bad parent. I've not mentioned mothers doing it yes. at all. Uh, oh, no, it's usually fathers, is it? What, what? I've got no idea what you're talking about. I'm, I'm talking it's about It's irrelevant who does it, it's wrong, it's, whoever does it. It's not wrong, and the people who know that it's not wrong are women who do it at home, whose job what? they have overwhelmingly done what over the ages. terribly old-fashioned attitude you've oh, got. Why really? is it women? It, because women, you know, they've got lumpy chests and they're at home when they feed their babies and I then they you, bring them up. I thought you were an expert. What on earth are you talking about? Men bring up children as well, Lynette. It's 2012. No, it's not. This is 2012 and it's... Still, yes. a very small percent of men bring up the children. Very okay. small. You're, you're, you're rambling slightly. It's, it's re- irrelevant who hits them. It's hitting them is it's wrong. It's not irrelevant who okay, hits well, them. OK, well, let's dwell on that fact then. OK, so what, what, what's it got to do with who hits them? I think it's very like women suddenly announcing that the army's organised
organised or wrong. Men don't but no, know how no, to do No, you're wrong, Lina. I'm actually going to take a, a objection to that. You're, you're saying that because I'm a man, I yes. can't object to people smacking children. No, Is that I'm what you're saying, saying? I'm saying because you take such a pejorative attitude yes. towards women's experience... No, it's nothing to do with women, Lynette. you are criticisable. Oh, Lynette, you're talking absolute tosh. It's nothing to do with women. Men smack children as well. well. Did you, you not know that? you don't think it is. You don't think it's anything. No, and most normal thinking people don't. I don't see what the no, point I'm is. No, You'll find that you're very much in the minority. No doubt that's why you changed your position since yesterday from saying yesterday. What? It, you think it's a bad... I mean, I heard the tale for it earlier. Right. What, what did I say yesterday? You think it's a bad... That somebody, anybody who smacks their child is a bad parent. Yes. Um, and you've no doubt had lots of telephone no, calls. No, sorry, what did I change my opinion on it? Overwhelmingly from p- women who said, no, it's not. When um, did I change my opinion on that? Sorry, I'm I confused. I don't know. But I, well, you just said I did. You just made an accusation. You're very confused, not... don't you? You've said it three times No, Lynette, now. you've just made an accusation that's not true. Can you either address it, I otherwise I'm going to cut you off? I that when you said earlier... Yes. ...that... It was a bad parent, if you yes, smack Yes, bad parents child. smack children. And I would say, I think you've had a lot of telephone calls correcting you about that. No, I've had a lot of telephone calls that uh, uh, have put forward their points of view. They're not correcting me, because I'm not wrong. Listen, you realise you're bullying me, don't you? If you don't agree with us, you go on saying like that, I'm going to cut you off. You OK, I will cut you off, then. I can't be bothered talking to her. Unbelievable. What on earth, what on earth... You've been cut off now, Lynette. What on earth was she banging on about? I've got no idea. The argument was... If you smack children, I thought we were going to have a decent discussion with an expert there. What's that going to do with anything if it's women? I've got absolutely no idea at all. Oh, dearie, mate. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. This is it, you see. You can't have a rational argument with people who smack children. Maria and Milton Keynes has texted in. I've got a 13-year-old who is a couple of inches taller than me, about five foot nine. Is it okay to smack him when he's uh, having a screaming fit because he's been banned from PlayStation for bad behaviour? It's not as easy to be a parent as you might think. There comes a time when even Mummy's little soldier becomes an uncontrollable teen and does not matter how much you talk, you're talking to a brick wall. Steve uh, in Luton says smacking should be used as a deterrent. You shouldn't smack every day or they'll get used to it. I genuinely think it's wrong. I think it's wrong to smack children. Big people hitting little people. And it, it's men and women that do it. And I find that quite a, an upsetting argument that men can't be allowed to criticise smacking because women do it. I, I, men smack their children as well, don't they? But they do, don't they? Anyway, utter, utter tosh. Right. Let's have a look. Let's see what's happening on the show. Oh, look, this is very, very exciting. Uh, three County Sport, Luke Ashmead. Tuesday, that's tonight, between 7 and 10.30, Championship, League One and League Two football with Luke and the Three Counties sports team. Watford travel to Championship New Boys Charlton, MK Dons visit League One New Boys Coventry, and Stevenage are also on the road with a trip to Notts County. We'll bring you news from Wickham Wanderers' home game against Plymouth. And after all the action, you can have your say with Luke. Whatever you think, whatever you want to say, say it with Luke on Three County Sport. He's a big lad. He can take it. He can definitely take it, so don't worry. Three Counties Sport with Luke Ashmead, Tuesday evening from 7pm. Now, don't forget, you've got another 33 minutes of the show if you want to give us a call. Maybe you think I'm completely wrong on smacking. And I'm more than happy to hear your views if you're, you're prepared to have a reasonable and rational argument. Uh, 08459 
Four double five five double five is the uh, telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you can text as well. Of course, eight one three double three. Start your text three CR, and you can email. And we've been emailed a couple of pictures of sheds, or we've grabbed a couple of uh, um, and put them up on the Facebook page. So if you email your pictures of your sheds to three CR at BBC dot co dot uk. Uh, then we'll put them on the Facebook page. And if you want to come and follow us on Facebook, you'll be more than welcome. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Click the like button and you'll get loads of updates on the shows and on the stations and what's happening with all the various presenters. The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Another 30 minutes of the show. We're every morning from six till nine. And Bill Buckley is on at nine o'clock, filling in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith. And it's a cracking listen. Coming up in the next half hour, I'm going to continue to take your calls on whether you think it's acceptable to smack your kids. We'll be uh, listening to Jason from Shillington about why he smacked all four of his in just a minute. And also find out which organisation has become one of the biggest employers in Milton Keynes. 08459 455 555. First of all, let's go to Jason in Shillington. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Ian. What's your take on all of this? Um, well, with regards to the smacking thing, yeah. um, I can't help but think that there must be a direct correlation between the rise of the anti-smacking let's talk our children to good behaviour yeah. and the overcrowding of prisons being as full as they have been forever, the increasing state of lawlessness and antisocial behaviour in this country, to the point that the police are now having to put in extreme CCTV measures, and they're talking about military drones being adapted, when I think the real focus should be on good parenting. I mean, I respect your view to, with regard to the smacking of children, but you haven't addressed the situation as to how you discipline success your children I've, I've addressed it several times. I can address it again if you want. I can tell you how to Please do it. Please do, because okay, at the will. moment I've got children ranging from 3 to 23, yeah. uh, and I'd love to know how I could avoid having to smack them. It's easy. You just don't do it. You don't raise your hand to it. Would you hit the three-year-old? No, 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 no. Okay, what age, what age is it acceptable to hit them? Um, I don't think there's an age limit. Um, and it depends. And when you say hit, it depends on the severity okay. of what you do. Would you, would you smack the three-year-old? It would depend entirely on what sort of a state she'd got herself into, over what conditions. So possibly you would. If she was having a tantrum, would you smack her? Mm, I'd say it depends. I'm well, not give me an example. Well, give, no, because give me an example of no... when you think it's acceptable to smack a three-year-old. That's all. I'm just trying to set well, the I'm, boundaries no, I, here. No, my question to you, Ian, is how do you okay. avoid... Okay, I can tell you how to because avoid it. I've I just got th- children uh, ranging up, and I've tried everything that I know of. Okay, I can tell you how to avoid it, but it would just help if I knew what age child you wanted to not hit. Any of them. Okay, so you, you would hit the three-year-old. And, and the thing is, it's not a case of hitting them, because that... that is that you're talking closed fists and everything. You're no, not. It doesn't, no, that's not what I'm talking... That's not what I've said at all. Smacking, hitting, it's the same thing. So it, it's interesting, isn't it, that the people who do smack their children are afraid or uncomfortable when there's a slight twist in the language. Um, yeah, but that works both ways in a different situation. So, you know, let's, let's try and be a little bit responsible. Oh, I'm being responsible, but hitting is... You are hitting children. So the, the, as long as you accept that that's what you're doing, we, I can tell you how not to hit children. OK, so if she's doing something that is endangering her life, and no matter what you do with reason, and she carries on, like walking out into a busy main street... Yeah. What do you do? You stop her from walking out into a busy main street by holding on to her. OK, and... Yeah, OK. And, you know, yeah... Um, I'm either talking to you, Jason, or the woman in the background, not both of you. Which one is it going to be? <laughs> OK, which one is it going to be? It's me. OK, go on. You make your point, then. OK, so you, 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 I've got three children with me. Yep. Um, I've got hold of one of them. I'm trying to push a pram with the other, and then... Then what? 
Okay, so there's a third child that's loose. Well, I've, got, I've got three children. Yes, yeah, so one, one's in the pram, yeah. one's in the pram, one you're holding the hand of, and one's loose. No, one's not in the pram because she now, dis- now feels that she's too old for the pram and wants to walk. Well, you strap her in the pram, you don't let her walk. That's what we do with our boy. We, if, if we're in a place where it's not safe for him to walk, we strap him in the pram, we explain to him, because he's old enough to understand why it's not safe for him to get out and walk, mm-hmm. uh, and we make him stay in the pram. OK. OK. All right, we're taking it to the next to s- next stage. Next stage. St- the stage two, yes. The, the, next, the next level, if you like. OK, the it's got a level. The increasing levels of lawlessness and any okay, so, But you've accepted that that's a good... That I've, I've told oh, no, you how no, to no, get no, out I of that situation. I accept that argument. Fantastic. Quite, quite wholehearted. Next. Next, how are you going to stop the kids that haven't been smacked and taught right from wrong because of bad parenting? Well, then that's also bad. If they've not been... Listen, you've got to discipline your kids, OK? And there are parents that do not discipline their kids. Now, disciplining doesn't necessarily mean hitting them. Disciplining means uh, reasoning with them, explaining to them, talking with them, OK? And then removing uh, privileges. There are parents that don't do that, but, but they're, they're not doing that. They're not hitting them. They're not doing anything. So they're, they're double bad parents. But that's not. But they, but, <laughs> but those kind of parents, if they're not hitting their kids and they're not talking to their kids, well, well I can't do anything about that. That's. That's not. No, the thing is, when you when you raise the argument about smacking being bad parent, being yes. making you bad parents, what you're yes. doing is you're opening the Pandora's box that is bad parenting. And well, let's, I let's, let's agree dive into Pandora's box. It's an absolute last resort, and it's something I wish they didn't do. Well, you don't however, have to do it, Jason. You have you have the choice. You have the choice not how, to do it. However. I want to instil a sense of right and wrong in my children that I know is going to last. Okay, and that that that, that sense includes that hitting is okay to get your way. Um, well, the state hits us rather well. Oh come on! No, no, no it doesn't. It doesn't hit us literally. Come on, Jason. Okay, it doesn't hit us. Physi- literally, talking but physically. It's still, no, it's it's no, 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 no. Don't, don't. Now you're being silly. Come on. You're teaching the, within those rules of discipline. You're setting your children. You are telling them it, it is acceptable to hit someone to get your way. No, I'm not saying it's acceptable to hit someone to get but your that's way. What, you're I'm doing. Saying, uh, what I'm saying, what I'm saying, my initial argument still stands, is we've got a rise in the anti-smacking, anti-corporal discipline punishment um, groups in society, yeah. and we've got an increase in lawlessness, anti-social behaviour, and an, in, a, a, and an unsustainable overcrowding of prisons. There has to be a link because we didn't. Well, have it doesn't have to be a link. Well, what's the cause then? Well, no, but the, no listen, you, you can't. <laughs> we, we're going to argue statistics. This is fun, isn't it, Jason, by the way? Are you having fun? No, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Me I'm too. My phone batteries last long enough good. for conversations. I am enjoying it too, and you're a good sport. But you can't say because there's more of this and less of this that there's a direct correlation. You can't do that. There are more people, there are more cars. You can't say because there are more cars in the world that there are, you know, that there are more people in prisons. It's, they're not connected. There are more cars on the road, but there are less accidents and less people getting hurt. And there are more sport. people in prison, so it's down to cars. But there's more people in prison, and you've got an increase exactly. in lawlessness, an increase in okay. perceived bad parenting. Okay. Um, there has to be a correlation. Jason, good luck with the kids. I'm sure they're all fantastic. Thank you for being a good Ian, sport. Thank you. See you later, mate. Take care. There we go. That's how you do it. That's how you have an argument. You leave and you shake hands. Cracking stuff. Thank you, Jason. Good lad. 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Network, that was, by the way, that was a lesson. That was a masterclass from Jason in how to have an argument on a, on a phone in show. He did a cracking job there. Pat's on the back all round. Network Rail has become one of the biggest employers in Milton Keynes with the completion of its new national centre next to the train station. Most of the staff, including engineers, IT specialists and people in HR, have moved in. But by next year, more than 3,000 people will work there. Kate Raklowski has just started as the communications manager in the National Level Crossings team. I am a local girl. I live in Milton Keynes. Um, 
was looking for a new opportunity, saw all of the press coverage about the quadrant and the opportunities that it um, provided, saw the communications manager role as a comms professional, I thought, what a great opportunity. There's a really big selection of amenities, so you've got lots of different restaurants. The um, actual working environment is great, it's very open, it's very dynamic, it's very modern, and I feel really proud to be working here. Diane Crowther is Director of Operational Services at Network Rail, is based at the Quadrant. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. Why did you choose to set up this massive office, and it is massive, uh, in Milton Keynes? Right, a num- number of reasons. Um, Milton Keynes has got absolutely fantastic links, transport links, not just kind of road but rail as well. Um, so, so that was one of the key reasons. Um, the other key reason was um, the local community and certainly the local authority actually kind of wanted us there. Um, and that's quite important to us because, you know, when we choose to go somewhere, we like to sort of work with the community, uh, we like to be part of that community, and we like to be there for a long time. The building's nearly fully occupied. How, how has the, the move gone, do you think? fantastic and um, better than any of us could ever have imagined i think you always kind of plan for the worst and hope for the best and actually what we've had you know is is the best and that's you know a lot of that is down to uh, some you know really good input for, from our staff on the ground and some good planning as well do you have any idea because you've got staff from all over the country any idea who the furthest the, the furthest distance someone's traveled to come and work here uh, the furthest distance, um, and when we set up the centre, uh, we actually uh, kind of uh, set a rule of 90 minutes. So, so 90 minutes is, is the longest distance that anybody will travel, and we think that's quite important uh, because if you travel further than that, then that's going to you know, potentially in, impact on, on your ability to kind of work. And we also don't think people should be travelling more than sort of 90 minutes you know, as, as part of their, their, their sort of day-to-day job. We've heard that people have moved into the... Someone moved from Edinburgh to, to Milton Keynes to, um, to be part of this, uh, this company. How difficult has it been to to get everyone and and get everyone in and relocate staff and, and, and recruit? Uh, we've done it in a gradual way, so we haven't moved everybody at once. Um, so what we've done is we've had a planned approach and, and we've moved people on a gradual basis. That's meant that we've been able to kind of work for the people that are moving to sort of make sure that they understand the issues, they understand um, the environment, uh, they understand sort of the local area. And we've worked very, very closely uh, with, with people who've been moving into the area and, and also we, we've used other kind of facilities as well. Diane, thank you very much. Diane Crowther, Director of Operational Services at Network Rail, which is based at the quadrant and it's going to be over 3,000 people uh, working there by next year. Incredible. When talking about that, we've been talking about how far you've travelled for work. Uh, Bill and Hemel's daughter travels from Islington to Hemel Hempstead every day for work. She's a, a nurse at Watford General Hospital. Well, good for you. Hang on a second. I travelled to the south of France to work for the French Foreign Legion. For goodness sakes, no, you didn't. I travelled to Hawaii for a weekend's work once. I got there Friday night and I left Sunday night. I was absolutely shattered absolutely shattered but it was it was you know it was tv in it so it's kind of like not a, not a proper job i think we'd all agree that in the great scheme of things that's not a proper job at all i th- flew to la once for 22 hours that was hideous i say hideous it's first class but apart from that have you ever been first class it's mental i could never i've never ever pay to go first or business ever it's just it's like three four thousand pounds to go to america why on earth would you pay that much in fact i've just booked some tickets to go to new york some tickets a ticket i'm going to new york for a weekend to see the monkeys in concert how mad is that and i booked some tickets and it was 440 quid and i was flinching at that but uh, i've traveled first in business a couple of times for work the seat turns into a bed 
It's amazing. And you don't even have to do it. You press a button and a lady comes over. Yes, sir, I can help you. Yeah, could you turn my seat into a bed, please? Certainly, sir. She makes it into a bed. And it's, uh, if you go on a good airline, the bed is long enough that even I, I'm six foot three, even I can stretch out. It's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I flew to Australia last year for a job uh, with an, a fantastic airline. Business class. Which is better, business or first? I don't know. Anyway, the, the best one, first class, whatever. And to be honest, I didn't want to leave the plane. I don't like flying at all. I didn't want to leave the plane. I was more comfortable on the plane than I was in my hotel. Movies, the f- good food, a masseurs came round if you wanted. Oh my goodness, how these rich people live. Wish I was rich. It's 8.45, Tuesday the 2nd of October. These are your headlines this morning on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hundreds of people in a small town near Aberystwyth have joined the search for a five-year-old girl who police believe was abducted last night. Privacy campaigners are criticising the head of the new National Police Air Service for suggesting unmanned spy planes could soon be patrolling the skies of Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. In sport, England cricket coach Andy Flower has told the BBC there'll be a press conference within the next 36 hours that's likely to shed more light on whether Kevin Peterson will be included in the test squad that tours India in November. This morning we're talking about smacking. Last night, a mother was freed from prison after smacking her kids. Is it ever acceptable to smack your children? 08459 455 555. And at nine, Bill Buckley will be taking the conversation a little bit further, asking, does smacking ever work? BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, I've never seen a a near-fatal road accident, but I've seen car crashes and I've seen nasty things happen, and, and that's distressing enough as it is. But imagine if you did see an accident, or the aftermath of an accident... And then later on you found out it was your own daughter that had been involved. Well, that was the reality for one mother from Milton Keynes. Margaret Bower's daughter, Olivia, was seriously injured when she was hit by a car as she crossed the road on her way to school nearly two weeks ago. I spoke to her a little bit earlier on in the show. At one point we, uh, we were literally, the family were called in to say our goodbyes oh, to her. It was just, everything just sort of deteriorated and... You know, that was, that was you know, a parent's worst nightmare. Of course Now, you saw the accident... But you didn't yeah. know it was Olivia. What, d- d- no, tell us what was happening. I was actually on the way taking my five-year-old to school on the bus. And um, from where I live, the next bus stop is in between where the accident happened. And I'd actually, you could actually see um, all these cars. And I just saw what well, I now know was my daughter's Olivia's clothes. I saw so she has this khaki-coloured coat and mm. a cream cardigan. I'd seen that and said to myself, oh, my Olivia's got um, a coat like that. And I just watched myself, oh, the poor person. But you never think, for one minute, it's your own child. Well, now there's a campaign to have traffic lights installed where Olivia was injured. Our reporter, Justin Dealey, has been finding out what's happening. Justin. Yes, thank you, Ian. I'm just literally yards away from where the accident happened here at Milton Keynes. Saxon Street's uh, a very, very busy road. That's where the campus is, Stanterbury Campus. But the accident happened just straight ahead of me here, which is on Marlborough Street. It happened on the 20th. Uh, Ros Dean is with me now. Ros, you're campaigning because you want to see something done about this road. You think the road is too dangerous. But first of all, just give us a quick update. How is Olivia right now? Um, from what I heard last night, she's making really good progress. She's starting to open her eyes a lot more, um, responding by squeezing hands. 
it's a really good sign, really, from being in a deep coma like she was. Now, people might think to themselves, I can't hear much traffic. This road is, is not that busy, but the, the speed limit here is 60 miles an hour, so it's a very, very fast road. You have set up the Facebook group, which is called Change the Limit. So what exactly are you looking to change? Um, basically, they've not got a crossing. Um, there's no signs. The crossing is completely blind. There's no centre island. You can't see it. From where we're stood, you can't actually see the crossing, um, and then he goes towards it at 60 miles an hour. You need to slow it down so you can actually see it, maybe put a centre island in, and some signs to say there are pedestrians here, um, and slow the speed limit down to 30. There's a housing estate, mm. and a school, a doctor's, a campus. It's dangerous. We're all hoping and praying that Olivia pulls through, but as far as you're concerned, unless something is done, somebody will be killed here. Yeah, there's been, I mean, there's been lots of accidents on this road, um, and it's never been compensated for the housing estates and the schools that's been built here. It's always been 60 miles an hour all the way through here. You've got your petition with you today. How many people have signed this so far? We've roughly got about 150 signatures on our petitions, plus we have pubs and shops in Stony Stratford, Stantonbury and around the area that have petitions in as well. As we mentioned, this accident happened on Thursday the 20th. You have been in contact with Milton Keynes Council because, as you say, you want something done about this. They haven't got back to you yet so far. I am convinced they'll be listening to this broadcast right now, which is going out live across Beds, Hearts and Bucks. What is your message to the local council? I mean, just look into it at the end of the day. Change the speed limit down. There's no need for it to be 60 around housing estates and roads and things like that. It's dangerous where there's children and people crossing the road. I mean, there's no underpass here. Mm. It really needs to be looked into and... You know, please answer me, answer my emails yeah. and calls. You're not going away, you will continue to fight until something yeah, is no. done. <laughs> okay. They they're gonna have a lot of emails and phone calls, basically, and letters drop through their door until this is sorted. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much Thank indeed. Thank you very much. There you go. Ros Dean joining us live on BBC Three Counties Radio. So I'm here in Milton Keynes, Ian. Uh, the, the, the actual campus itself, just around the corner, just off the magic roundabout, the Stanterbury campus. Very, very busy road. That's Saxon Street. The accident happened here on Marlborough Street, and you heard the words there from Ros. Mm. She will not be going away. She'll be campaigning until something is eventually done here. Well, good luck to her. And we, we spoke to Margaret, Olivia's mum, earlier on, and it looks like there is some positive progress mm. going in that direction. So that's all good news. Justin, thank you very much. Thank you, Ian. See you later on. <sighs> Don't forget, this Friday, Beatles Day on BBC Three Counties Radio. Very excited. Love the Beatles. Um, we'll be playing Beatles songs. We've got some great guests all through the day. Some on this show, some really good stuff. And uh, I know Justin has been out gathering interviews and voices and bits and pieces. Something we want to do just on this show is I want your tenuous Beatles links. We had a guy yesterday who tweeted who said that his mate Roy, at school, lied about owning George Harrison's corduroy cap. Perfect. That's perfect. If you've got a really tenuous Beatles link, could you email them to us? Um, if you send them to 3cr at bbc.co.uk, and if you put in the subject heading Ian Lee, Beatles Day, we'll get them. Uh, I want your tenuous Beatles links. Oh, we've got a great one about um, the microphone used to record Please Please Me as well. I sent that through. We should hope we'll have that. That's a cracking one. We'll, we'll do them all on Friday. We'll try and find the most tenuous Beatles links. Uh, oh, look at the time. My goodness gracious me. Bill Butley's on in a few minutes. I should hurry up and finish this nonsense. Uh, we've been talking all morning about smacking children. It turns out that possibly I'm the only sane voice in the wilderness here. You don't smack kids. We don't do it. You don't... Bigger people do not hit little people. Surely that's an obvious one. 
08459 455 555. A few minutes if you want to get on. Richard is in Winslow. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Ian. We haven't spoken before. It's nice to talk to you. What's your take on, on Smacking? Well, before I go on to that, you just made a comment that it's not a lot of nonsense, but before I go on to my main point, I'd really like to say that the way you argue with that woman was appalling. You shut her down, you wouldn't yep. let her speak, yep. and then eventually you cut her off. I think you should be ashamed for doing that, and I wish you okay. had the courage. Do you have the courage to phone her up and get her back on the air and let her make her point Le- without so much filibustering from you? Richard, can I speak? Yeah, please do. Thank you. Uh, no, it's not a case of courage. I thought she was very rude. She I wasn't she- rude at all. You were rude by constantly talking over her, which is what I'm doing now to you. Okay. She was very rude. I thought that she uh, was talking, um, was going off on some weird tangent about women. I've got no idea what that was. She wanted to focus on the argument about women, which I didn't understand. I didn't think it was relevant. So I let her go. You may have had more understanding of what she was trying to say if you weren't constantly talking over her. And to accuse someone of being rude is a cop-out for anyone that loses the argument. Oh, he was rude. Oh, gosh, we mustn't have rude, must we? Good Lord, no. But really, think back. Review your tape later on and see how much you talked over that woman and crushed anything she tried to say. Uh, It was absolutely appalling, frankly. But anyway, the point... Richard, Richard. Yeah, carry on. Uh, we're we're going to address this point. This is the point you've raised. This is the point we're going to address. No, that's, that's not the point I phoned in well, for. Well, it's the point that you've made, so it's the point we're going to address. Uh, ah, so again, you, you won't allow me to have my say. No, you end up cutting me off, I guess. No, Richard, you've had your say. I would like to address what you've just said. Is that okay? Because otherwise no, you're, it's you're... not okay. I've far from had my say. Well, no, you've had your say about that initial point. So I would like to address that initial point in my defence. Or uh, is, am I not allowed to do that? Please feel free. Thank you very much, Richard. I will. Uh, she came on. She was booked as a guest to talk about smacking children. She went off on a tangent that I felt, as the host of my show, was irrelevant to the conversation. I, did, I had no idea what she, why she was talking about women like that, and I did listen. She seemed to imply, and if I've got this wrong, I apologise, that men were not able to criticise smackers, uh, which, is, of course, is not true. And I, therefore, decided that she was not relevant to the argument, so I let her go. I'm now, Richard, now, Richard, what's sorry. the point you've called in about? I'm, 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 well, I'm glad to hear that you've apologised to the lady. No, I've apologised if I misunderstood her, which I don't think I did. But well, what's I think, your, what's, I think why you, you certainly have, because you didn't allow her to speak. Why have anyway, you called the in, point I, Should we go on to the point that I rang I would, in? I, I really would love you okay. to, otherwise you'll be in Bill Buckley's show as well, and I'm sure he doesn't oh. want to talk to you either. Right. Oh, you mean you don't want to talk to not me? Not particularly, Richard. Well, do you want, would you like me to go, then, or do you want to cut me off as you cut her off? No, I don't, I'm not going to cut you off, but I, if you want to go, please do. No, I'm quite happy to continue with the conversation. Then carry on, then. Yeah, you're talking about rudeness. What you've just said is outrageously rude. Okay, Fortunately, you... I've got broad shoulders. It would appear you haven't, because you keep banging on about it. What's your no, point? No, 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 I do have broad shoulders. How do you know I don't? We're not talking literally, we're talking metaphorically, Richard. Well, I'm talking metaphorically equally. Okay, what's your point, Richard? My point was that smacking is um, like other tools in the chest for disciplining children. It is there to be used when it needs to be used. What a surprise, okay. It must never be used in... Um, it must never be used in anger, um, but if, if, if young children are to learn, learn decent ways, decent morals, and so on and so on and so forth, there are various sanctions. And if those lower-level sanctions, like you can't play with your PlayStation or you're going to bed early or you're not watching TV, they don't work, then ultimately there must be a, and I use this word very carefully, quote-unquote threat of a higher sanction. Otherwise they would just carry on doing as they're pleased. 
as they please. And my goodness, we see so many examples of that. I'll give you a choice one. In the supermarket, little children these days scream. Why do they scream? Because their mummies never, would never taught themselves how to discipline their children. Yet when I yell across the supermarket, stop that screaming, they stop screaming. Thanks for calling, Richard. Pleasure. Well, there we go. What fun banter we're having this morning. Oh uh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. The reason I let the lady go, there was a, a guest on earlier on, and I've explained it quite well. I think is that, that, that she was going off on a tangent that was irrelevant to the argument. She was implying that men are unable to discuss whether it's appropriate to smack children, not because it's women that raise kids. I disagree with that on so many levels, and I thought she was patronising, and I thought she was rude, and that's why I let her go, Richard. And thank you very much for coming on and putting forward your point of view. It's always nice to hear your points of view. Never let it be said that I'm one of those hosts that doesn't let people come on who disagree with him. Au contraire. Au contraire. That's when it starts getting fun, isn't it? It's when we, by the way, the call we had earlier on was a fantastic example of how to do, ha- have an argument on air and, and shake hands at the end of it and walk away in different directions. That's how to do it. Uh, don't forget, you can uh, get in touch loads of different ways. You, even when we're not on the air, you can follow us at BBC3CR on Twitter. Uh, you can also join the Facebook page. And the Facebook page is great because we put up loads of different um, uh, pictures and loads of different information and stuff about the show. So you can always go there. Facebook.com forward slash uh, BBC 3CR. I think we've got time for one more quick call. Dave's in Luton. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Ian. Dave, are you going to have a go at me as well? Well, I would do, but um, no, we'll keep it quiet at the moment. Bless you, sir. Well, what can I do for I- you? But I should, I should go out and sue a policeman of uh, 1950s who smacked me around the ear off for pushing the swing the wrong way. I was only 12. But that was obviously wrong for a policeman to smack you for pushing the sw- swing the wrong way. No. That's wrong, isn't it? No, because but it pushing was... pushing the swing the wrong way, Dave. Yeah, you could hit someone, can kill someone, hurt oh, someone. Yeah. But the thing is, this isn't... That, in that time, it wasn't an anti-pansy country mm. like it is now. Okay. Now, we've just, seen what happened... Dave, we've seen what happened a, a while ago during the riots when the policemen pushed someone. They died. Well, yeah. Do we really want our policemen hitting children, really? Well, I got it. There we go, Dave. Thank you very much. Only moving on because the show is at an end. Would love to discuss that more. Wow. See? That was fun this morning, wasn't it? I enjoyed that a lot. Hope you did as well. Always nice to have a little bit of arguments and banters. Wakes you up in the morning, gets your brain going. Speaking of getting your brain going, Bill Buckley's up next asking, does smacking ever work? Mm Mm-hmm. Getting beds, hearts and bugs talking. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yeah, can't deny it, the man's right. This is the JVS Show with me, Bill Buckley, in for Jonathan Vernon-Smith.